The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, BronxPinstripes.com proudly brings to you the most exciting Yankees podcast in the world, George's Box. Welcome to George's Box. I'm JJ, and it is a good day to be a Yankee fan. It's been a little bit of a hiatus, probably about two months, a little more than two months. Did not expect it to be that long, but we're going to kick things off with a little bit of housekeeping, kind of address the elephant in the room. A couple people have asked online, especially immediately. Uh, Last season, uh, I had a co-host, Keith McPherson. Unfortunately, things did not work out. Uh, We've parted ways. George's Box will uh, continue, come out every Wednesday from now on for forever. Um, we, you know, it's one of those things. Sometimes things just don't work out. We wish Keith nothing but the best. I think he's going to be making some, uh, some Yankee content this season. He's doing some other stuff. Uh, if you liked what he did, definitely give him a follow. Uh, no hard feelings on our end. Hopefully no hard feelings on his end. Uh, but that's the elephant in the room. Not going to get into debates on it on Twitter. Not going to get debates on it on Facebook. I uh, just kind of wanted to address it once. You see me at Billy's, we could chop it up. Um, with that, what's going to happen with the show? I hate one-man podcasts. They're very tough to listen to. I love Bill Burr. I never listen to his show. Um, I love Chris D'Elia. Never really listen to his show. It's very tough to do. So what I'm going to do over the next couple weeks is I'm going to introduce you to some more people from Bronx Pinstripes. Uh, some of them you already know. Some of them maybe you don't know. I think we have a lot of talent at Bronx Pinstripes that I want to showcase, um, give them more of a spotlight. Uh, and from there, uh, I will eventually have a co-host. We have uh, someone in mind. We're crossing the I's, dotting the T's, all of that stuff. We've been looking for a while. But my first guest on the show, you already know him as the man who scheduled his world his wedding for the World Series Game 4 because he didn't believe in the 2019 New York Yankees, Andrew Rotondi. What's up, Andrew? I thought we were past that at this point. That was my last shot because technically we're recording this on the 31st. This comes out on the 1st. Happy New Year, everyone. Um, but I had to get my last shot in. Yeah, that, that's 2019 beef. 2020 is going to be a new year. And I don't have any more weddings coming up, at least that I'm going to be getting married at. So. 
no, nothing, nothing conflicting for the, for the playoffs unless, you know, our guy Frank does something stupid. Oh, my God. He just asked me for my address today. Me too. So there's a save the date probably <laughs> coming. Um, so, so much stuff has happened. You obviously are one of, I would say, you are one of the faces of Bronx Pinstripes. You host the Bronx Pinstripe Show, which is another great podcast. Um, I'll, one day I'll listen to it. Um, and everyone else should. But you were kind of my into Bronx Pinstripes. You were the guy who I reached out to first because we had met a few times. And when I said, hey, I want to make some content, I reached out to you. And uh, now here we are. Uh, you've hosted me on your show before, and now I and I believe guy. you said on that the podcast that you came on with me. I think we were doing it before you guys went to London. Um, you said I you will never have me on as a guest on your show, and here we are. Now you're you're my first guest. Yeah, I feel honored. Well, well, here's the reason why you're the guest. We're going to talk the Yankees offseason. We're going to talk about you. Uh, hopefully, I'm going to ask you some questions that people haven't before. But the whole idea was you host the podcast, so you know how to ask questions, engage in conversation, maybe better than some of the other people I'll have on in the coming weeks because I'm feeling a lot of them out. And the whole idea was I'm going to go to hiatus and take a couple weeks off because I'm having a baby and I didn't tell anyone. Unless you came to a Brown Spinstripes event and my wife was there or you know me personally, you didn't know I was having a baby. Yeah. People have seen the baby in my personal life who have reached out and said, how come you didn't tell me you're having a baby? I didn't see you in nine months. <laughs> and the baby is supposed to be the biggest thing that happened. And she still is the biggest thing. That yeah, happened you got it. You got to stick with that. You can't <laughs> stick with that. She's a blessing and I love her and she's beautiful. And we'll talk about that. But in the meantime, I somehow <laughs> have made worldwide news in the strangest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. It's funny because, yeah, you're, you're right that we, we've known each other for the longest at Bronx Pinstripes. And I, I, I would follow, I was following you when you were doing stuff with Barstool and all that stuff. And one thing about you, you're always looking to go viral. You're always, you're always, why just, else are we on the internet? Just trying to go viral. And I find it absolutely hilarious that uh, a rescue puppy that wandered into your home is the way that you ended up going viral. And in fact, it's perfect irony. And I think because I was not trying to go viral on this. No, I was. I honestly thought, OK, so for anyone who doesn't know, um, if you Google my name and this is the first time JJ and Jack Jokinen have like merged online. Oh, Jokinen. Is that the pronunciation? Characters. I was always saying Jokinen. Yeah. No, it's Jokinen. OK. Yeah, it, it's been they've been two separate lives. And this is the first time it came together. So on December 14th, my wife woke me up. At four o'clock in the morning, standing over me like Karen Hill and Goodfellas <laughs> saying the baby's safe, but there's a puppy in the house. I don't know what's going on. And I'm thinking this is postpartum, some kind of craziness because she's hallucinating. Yeah, because on November 14th at five o'clock in the morning, she woke me up and said, my water broke. We're having a baby. So I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Let, what are you talking about? We have a dog, George. It just had to be him. Let me go. I go downstairs, and there is a puppy in the middle of my house. Front door locked, back door locked. So you're, you're it's four o'clock in the morning. No one is no one is sane at that hour when you just wake up. Every everything no. is like everything's upside down. Like 
are you are you thinking like this is a fever dream like this isn't real because you like you said doors locked windows locked the thing didn't it's not Santa Claus. It didn't slide down the friggin' chimney. Like, how the hell did it maybe. get in my house? In that moment, I'm honestly like, maybe. Yeah. So here's the other thing. My parents were in town. They got in like a day earlier to meet their first grandchild. So my parents are in my house sleeping. Normally, there's no one else in the house. So at first, I do think, is this some messed up, like, who's the best granddad in the world? That would like, be the yeah. worst gift on earth. Like, where did you get a puppy? You're old. You go to sleep at 9 o'clock anyway. Like, you're probably already up. So I'm like, all right, what the hell's going on? We wrap the puppy up, and I grab a butcher knife, and I start searching oh. my house. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm not – even though Pennsylvania is, like, one of the easiest places to get a gun, I'm not a gun guy. I'm not like ban all guns, like not not getting political. I'm just if I had a gun, I would be walking around my house with a gun that night. And that's not a position I want to be in. Not with a newborn baby, parents in the house. Yeah. No. Too much shit could go wrong. I don't trust myself. Um so yeah. So I'm doing sweeps of the house <laughs> with this butcher knife, like folded up against my arm like i'm ready to fucking slash or move and i don't know so i've i have done this before not not a situation like that but i've gone into my apartment and like you you hear something that you don't normally hear and it might just be a weird noise but like you're like oh shit is someone in the house and you go through that whole process of let me get something sharp and let me creep through my house or apartment and check all corners. the closets. Yeah. Like you like like you're like you're a SWAT team like looking around the corner. Yeah, that's got to be that's terrifying. Yeah. So my house is four stories. Every room has a walk-in closet. Humble There's brag. A back storage. It I don't <laughs> live in Manhattan anymore. So like I have more than Manhattan. So I'm like, "All right, I know my bedroom. There's no one in it. There's no also there's no like foot because it was a storm, so there's no like footprints going around. Once I figure out everything's fine, pull up the security footage, and I'm just like, let me go back to like I don't know 1 a.m. and just hit it like 16 time forward. This is what this is the security footage launched this to a viral story. I think without the security footage, no one believes this story. Right. So I go and at 3:16, a dog walks up walks into my house goes in and out for a couple minutes and then at one person did walk by nothing and then at 342 a drunk guy walked by and noticed the door was open and went up knocked yelled pulled the door shut didn't know anything about the dog who knows where the dog was in the house at the time and just carried on his merry way so and then my wife got up maybe 10 minutes later and my daughter spit her pacifier on the floor. And it's the first time in the month that we had my daughter that my wife has had to leave the bedroom at night without that. Oh, to get a clean to. Yeah. Yeah. Or just has had to leave the bedroom without yeah. that. Like the chain of events for that to happen mm -hmm. is crazy. Cause like, even if she didn't get up, then my parents are old. They get up and they're like, what the fuck? What is this dog? <laughs> Also, this dog was only in my house alone for a very small amount of time. The dog's covered in fleas and ticks. Like, could have been very bad. That guy could have come by and killed us. Like, my friends you, would be texting me, you should be dead. 
in your in your some of the TV and stuff interviews you did, you 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 leaned into those murder quotes a little bit. Listen, I said <laughs> you took. I, I, it's funny that you took it to the absolute worst possible scenario. Not oh, he could have come in and just robbed me. He could have you know squatted murder. like it, it, murder, straight murder. Well, I mean, everyone walking. That- but in fairness, people walking down streets in Philly at four o'clock in the morning. Murder might, might be likely murder to murder. So we've had, I live on a, a pretty, like, I guess, like, big street in the neighborhood Fishtown in Philly. Fishtown's a triangle of streets, and I live on one of the sides. Um, so we've had to call the police before for, like, people on drugs or drunk trying to get in the house. Now, not trying to, like, hurt us, just so messed up they don't know where they are, Um that, you know, we've had to make those phone calls before. I found a guy passed out under the steps outside my house. Turns out he was just drunk. I was going to Narcan him and save a life. Um, but so, I Again, mean, so looking to go viral. It's, oh, my God. I would have gone right to Periscope with that. <laughs> save a life in real time. But now the time that I'm not looking to go viral, we find this dog 4 a.m. And I just start tweeting. Part of it was because if I didn't clear this house all the way and someone kills me, at least that tweet will go viral. <laughs> he tweeted right before. Viral from, from uh, in the grave, yeah. Yeah, like if I tweeted, like... Have you ever thought about that? How, um, like, if you if you die, like, what's the last thing you put out in public? Like, what's the last thing you said, last thing you tweeted, last thing you texted? So I think that's part of it. So I am actually terrified of death. It's like a thing that, like, oh, I interesting. deal with. I'm very afraid of dying. And... Through a lot of, like, thought and, you know, whatever conversations around it, the reason I'm afraid of dying is because I won't be there to tell the story, and I don't think anyone else is going to tell it as good as me. All right, so it's a selfish reason why you're, yes. why you're afraid of dying. Are yeah, you afraid of dying? about those people who, like, go hiking, and then they just disappear. Yeah. And you're like, yo, what happened? Did they fall down a cliff? Did someone murder them? Like, what happened in that time? Well, those unsolved mysteries. Are you afraid of dying, like, old age death, like everyone eventually does? Or being murdered or a freak accident and dying young. Like, because just they're like just, just getting old and dying. Like, it's that's, in my opinion, silly to be afraid of because yeah. you, you can't avoid no, that. Tell me I'm going to get to, like, like, I see old people and I'm like, oh, I would never. That's terrible. <clears throat> like, so people who are, like, 90, it's like, that sounds miserable. My grandmother just had, I was just in Rhode Island for my grandmother's 90th birthday and she's doing very well. Good for her. She was working up until, like, four years ago. Yeah, but she probably doesn't have, like, the city miles on her that I do with this body that's breaking down, you know? Yeah, okay. She, like, she, 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 how many ahead. cocaine says your grandma done? None. <laughs> um, so. Sorry, grandma. So, no, I mean, so, yeah, so I'm, like, terrified of dying with that. But then at the same time, so I just kind of, like, fired off this tweet, and then it was like, all right, we have a pen to put the dog in. Let's put the dog in the pen after we go upstairs. Because you don't go back to sleep when you find a dog in your house. Let's Google what do you do if you find a dog in your house. There's no playbook here. So it's like animal control. And animal control just sounds like awful. Uh, so we called animal control at 8. They will, they start. They open at 8, called them at 8.01. They said, you can surrender to the dog at 11. We'll take it from there. That didn't sound like that dog was going to live. And then uh, we called our vet at 9.01 because they opened at 9. And they told us that 
they did not have room for us and turned us away. So we found another emergency vet. Oh, I didn't know that's part of the story. Yeah, it's one thing we're not trying to trash anyone, but we hadn't really been happy with our vet for a little bit, um, like wait times and things like that. And then we called them and they were just like, yeah, we got nothing for you. Like you can look at like some other places. Wow. So then now uh, maybe like a week later, a couple days later, when this is like all over the world, uh, we get a phone call. Hey, we heard about Susie. Oh, from the uh, vet? Yeah. yeah. Oh, We'd love to offer some, piece some free acupuncture. Yeah. Some free acupuncture. Screw them. So, yeah. So we go to the we go to the vet and uh, they're like, listen, this dog is seven to nine years old. We think like nine years old and definitely not a puppy covered in fleas and ticks. It has like six teeth, <laughs> like just really bad. Like this is going to be a long road. We can. Like it's seventy two dollars for what we've already looked at for everything else. Like let it we'll tell you what it is. If like you don't want to do it, we get it. We'll help you take care of this, Um, which, by the way, just to interject from it, like what you guys did is amazing. But if you had decided like we just can't take care of this dog, we have a newborn baby and already a dog like that is an understandable like, yes more than understandable we, reaction to the whole situation like your daughter who was a month old a month. at that point like that's your number one priority and yeah you want to take care of this dog also like you know just the visual of the dog sick is just like and it's so sad to look at so oh that's my God, that's yeah. probably like watching this thing suffer in in front of I, you has got to be the reason like that that's going to push you over the edge just like yeah we'll adopt her well, so it started off, people were like, it sounds like you have two dogs, including Pat McAfee. So, like, I that's what started this up, was McAfee. Yeah. And then people kind of get wind of it, and I'm just kind of, like, tweeting updates. Because in my mind, at first, like, four in the morning, I don't realize how bad a shape this dog's in. This is just a puppy from around the corner, probably. Right. There was a chip. We're getting home. Then in the morning, you're like, Oh, we can't send this dog back to wherever it is. Then people were saying, um, hey, you know, if you can't take that dog, I'll take that dog. Um, And then, hey, if you can, you know, if you have somewhere I could send some money, like would love to help couple bucks, you know. So I'm sitting in the vet office and I'm alone with this dog. And my wife is there. So it's the three of us. And this dog is so fucked up like there's no other way to put it and like yeah you were listing the things wrong with wrong with her it's just like everything yeah uh paw pad damage infected paws the teeth are just it's a nightmare heart murmur underweight fleas ticks and like more stuff that do they have any idea how long she was out on the streets no no um they're like it had to be like months because At least. And if that's if those months happen December through February, the dog is dead. But because it was like reasonably, you know, cl- like the climate wasn't so severe yet in October, November that you're probably able to survive. I've heard a rumor through my mail lady like that's how, you know, <laughs> you're kind of in like a neighborhood in Philly that it was a homeless guy a couple blocks from here that like may have had her tied up like ne- to a cart. So, like, part of me wants to go and, like, find that guy and be like, hey, did you have this dog? Did, you know, I can't give you this dog back. I don't know that I can necessarily give you, like, a sum of money. 
Um, but like, I want you to know this dog is safe, kind of thing. Mm. Um, that could just That can open up can of worms yeah. you don't want to get into. So, they bring in the bill, and I just go fine. Like, I don't even fully want to look at it. We're gonna do this. My wife is, you know, right away. She was like, just so you know, we're keeping this dog. <laughs> Um, and I'm an idiot, and I think it's going to be like $600, and this dog will be brand new. <laughs> Start to learn it will not be. And I – so I make a recap video of just what happened, and I put my Venmo in there. And since I've added my PayPal, because some people don't have Venmo, um, and I thought maybe we'll get $300. Um, and then I was like, oh, wow, it's starting to grow a little bit. Maybe it'll be like $1,500, and we'll have like – a thousand five hundred dollars to donate to a charity because i'm a moron right now as i record this at twelve thirty-six on the 31st Susie the dog has her own bank account <laughs> her own p.o box because i had to stop giving out my email my home mail? address to people yeah she's <laughs> so many treats and packages it's awesome um she has a bank account <laughs> that it's still transferring over because i'm trying to not alert the irs but uh she's thirty nine thousand twenty four dollars and fifty nine cents she's more liquid than i am (laughs) i'm a 31 year old man with a full-time job (laughs) she has so much money (laughs) that's i mean but we're joking about it but like shout out to all the awesome people who donated that is really really shout out to the internet hey internet you're not a piece of shit all the time. Good for you. I love you get these feel good stories, though. And, you know, usually, you know, uh, a dog or, or a sick child or something. And, and it's usually something sad and something good that comes out of the sadness. But like, yeah, you can you weed through enough shit on the Internet. You can find some nice feel good stories. It's crazy. So uh, so then as this is happening that day, Fox 29 in Philly writes an article about it from there. Other people want to write articles about it. And then within – this was a Saturday morning. By Sunday midday, I had calls from, like, all the news networks to set up times to interview us. So start doing that. Then I show I can be on camera a little bit. And uh, so then they're like, good day, Philly. Um, do you watch John Oliver on HBO? No, I mean, I, I have, but no. So he always makes fun of, like, local um, – news people like mm-hmm. either it's like oh all the fox affiliates are all reading from the same script for something or whatever it is or being creepy and there's this guy here in philly mike i don't even know his last name but like we're in the green room and my wife was like i only know who these people are from john oliver <laughs> making fun of them and she was like shit i hope we don't end up on john oliver <laughs> so in the thing you know i'm trying to show some personality because just like you know who i am because it's all such a whirlwind I mentioned that the guy who closed my door, Steve, shout out to Steve, is single. He should be the most eligible bachelor in Philly. And the guy, Mike, just starts pressuring, like, the young. He's, a, like, an older white guy. She's a young black woman. Like, oh, hey, Alex, you know, Steve, da-da-da. And then he brings it up again. So I just go, oh, this is how we end up on John <laughs> Oliver. And he just goes, I hate him. <laughs> of course he does. <laughs> so it was kind of like a whirlwind of – like camera crews coming to the house. Uh, you can definitely see like who is trying to go for like what narrative, like one station was trying to play up like the God, like this was a sign from God um, trying to hit that demographic. Yeah. I mean, there, I mean, 
it's I mean it's such a great story that yeah you can some people believe that it was God's plan for this dog to wander into your home and that's what they believe great yeah whatever you want to believe as long as you do good things from it like that sounds great um inside edition was national that was interesting um and then we decided we were like done doing interviews because we got I was on paternity leave when this happened and I only had like three days of paternity leave left so I have to go back to work so we were like all right so we're done doing interviews unless it's like the today show good morning america or ellen like something that's really cool like we don't need to do any like small interviews and then the weather channel reached out because it was a storm that blew my door open i was (laughs) like well i gotta do the weather channel yeah how do you not do the weather channel so did your work say anything to you about that because you know (laughs) all of us at bronx pinstripes we have full-time jobs and my my work is very cool about the fact that I'm doing a podcast and out there on the internet and they have no problem with it and your office your company the same way. So but this is this went to a different level than yes. just, you know, a bunch of dudes talking about baseball. Yes. So when I decided to join Bronx Pinstripes, I had a new job from the last one that I had when I was with Barstool. So I and my boss, the guy who brought me in, knew all about the internet and all that stuff. So I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna like do these food videos. I'm gonna do a podcast. It's all baseball. I maybe curse every once in a while, but nothing too crazy." And he was like, "Cool. Look over this handbook. Do you need to talk to legal? Make a decision." I was like, "All right, cool. I'm good." So JJ and Jack have always been two different people. It's not hard to figure out my real name, but they've always been two separate people. Um, so I had to call my boss's boss, like probably late Saturday. Um, and was just like, Hey, or it might've been Sunday. And I was just like, Hey, and he was like, Oh, Hey, what's up? Are you back from paternity leave on Monday? And I was like, no, I'm kind of going viral. And I don't know if I'm supposed to tell anyone. And he goes, Oh no. What did you do? <laughs> right. Cause that's going to be the immediate. Cause I went a little gonna be viral. the immediate thought when, when you do something, when yeah. you do something on the internet. I went a little viral in April because, like, something weird happened with my neighbors, and he saw it on the news and was like, why didn't you tell me? And I was like, ah, because I was hoping you'd never see it. Oh, was so that was like, the, where they asked people to give, like, food yeah, and stuff like, and do my work around were, their like, house? trying to scam people. Yeah, and I just happened to, like, piece it together. Yeah. Um, and then, so I was like, yeah, here's the situation. I got a dog. He's like, that's weird. Um, yeah, I don't know that anyone cares. And, like, we're a big charitable organization. Like, it's part of, like, who we are as a company. So I was like, all right, um, I'll just send an email to, like, our PR and, like, charity departments, and we'll just see if anything. And uh, I, I emailed them and was like, hey, so here's a weird thing that's going on. <laughs> if you just Google my name, you'll see it. <laughs> and uh, they were cool about it. Some individual, they were like, yeah, we're not going to, like, solicit donation. I'm like, no, no, I'm not asking for that. I'm just asking, do I have to take down my LinkedIn? <laughs> like, yeah. Do I still have a job? Like, I, I'm not doing anything wrong, but, like. I still have a job, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, like, they were cool about it. Um, They said once we decide what we're doing with extra funds, like, they'd like to, you know, like, the company would probably make a contribution somewhere. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I don't know, you know, it probably won't be anything huge, but, like, it's cool that they were supportive of it. Um, I did have to, like, I poked my head into Slack and saw, like, my whole team was just like, do you guys see what Jack is doing? (laughs) Like, he's all over the news. And then people who I, like, haven't met, in the company are reaching out and like, dude, I'm in Utah and like, you're on the news here. Cause it was on the news everywhere. 
which yeah. is very weird. And then I was doing an interview with NPR last week. My phone just starts like blowing up. I'm like, what the hell's going on? And so I look and people had a thing. And like oh, when people wow. Yeah. So like people tweeted it to their seven million <laughs> followers or whatever. And then like People Pets, which has like close to a million followers, like tweeted my name. Like the Today Show, Today.com did an article and they had an Instagram uh, post and it just said like Emily Jokinen woke up like my wife's name and Jennifer Aniston liked it. So it's like Jennifer Aniston knows me. You're, you're basically friends with Jennifer Aniston at this point. Pretty much. Like yeah. she's a dog. You're going to get invited to her New Year's party. Yeah, let's do it. I need a dog sitter. But um, well, it's interesting because I was also curious as you were going around all these new news outlets, how much research they did because Barstool can have a rep- reputation and it yeah. rubs people, some people the wrong way. Whether whether you you know whoever's listening right now, if you're a person that feels that way or not, like so, you do a little googling on you, and you're gonna find that you were once with Barcel. So I don't know if that ever came up in any of the. No, so the when Fox came to my house, the reporter and I forget her name. Um, she was like, "I followed you for years." Okay. Like I just like I know who you are. I think you're a funny guy. I have a burner account aside from my like professional one. I follow you. I just think you're a funny guy. Um, the Barstool stuff didn't come up. Barstool wrote a nice article. So another thing is like later Saturday, um, Portnoy, Big Cat, a bunch of those guys like retweeted it because they yeah. love dogs. They saw it like something was happening with it. So like <clears> I thank them and I have no, I'm going to have no ill will towards Barstool. I love Barstool. Um, I don't always agree with everything they do, but you know. I know them as individuals. They're nice guys. Um, Hubs wrote, he was like, hey, I'm writing an article about you. Because the other thing is, I stopped drinking in October. And then I just went on like Whole30. So I haven't had sugar, dairy, carbs, or anything. You, lost, you went viral at a good time as far as your pers- your appearance goes. I lost like 20-something pounds. You had a little beard going. I, so here's the thing. I've never had a beard before. I grew a beard in paternity leave, like to fuck with my wife because she hates when I try to grow a beard because it's patchy. So now I'm just on TV all the time with this beard I don't know how to maintain in any way and looking very thin. It was a good look for me. And so Hubs was like, hey, I'm writing an article. Uh, Want to make sure, like, you're cool with the title. Uh, fat face, now skinny face, Philadelphia. And I was like, hey, I'm fine. You write whatever you want. Like, I get, like, I get the space. But, like, it's going to be tough for me to retweet something where you're making fun of me in the title. And, like, because I have all these new followers who are like, what? We're not going to have anything negative. Like, there were a couple people who – so I've been accused of – obviously that I'm going to steal all the money. Um, I've been accused that I'm actually putting Susie down. Oh, I Uh, saw that. That guy – and you take – two seconds to read that guy's like profile and tweets you realize that guy was a lunatic yeah but what but i think what you're doing for the money you're being transparent about it and like showing all of the bills and all that stuff yeah yeah i mean i'm trying to like there's no i've had people reach out to me and friends who are like i would never do this because there's gonna be so much monday morning quarterbacking that like there's no like i can't do i can't do it perfect there are things i could probably do better and um but like we're just trying to you know people were like where's her facebook page like day two i'm like i'm trying to get this dog healthy i don't know like (laughs) we don't have a pr team for the dog yet sorry exactly 
I did have someone reach out and ask who our PR team was uh, because they were like, you're doing such a good job. And I was like, I'm just saying yes to interviews. Um, so I've been accused of just setting the whole thing up. Um, and that's like Inside Edition is on YouTube. So there's like a ton of comments there. Um, and I shouldn't be reading any of these comments. I should know better. But for every like, you know, thousand nice things people say, like that one like really eats at you, especially when you're like actually trying to do the right thing, trying to be transparent. And so now, you know, even two days in, people are like, well, where are you donating the extra money? And it's like, I don't know because I don't know what – I'm learning so much about dogs and like rescue dogs and all that stuff um, that like we don't know what we're going to do yet. Um, I think we have to become like a foundation ourselves because it's just so much money yeah. that I need to like legally protect myself, which thanks. You can't just nice people gave money. I can't just be a nice person because someone won't get money and sue me or something like that. So, yeah, so it's been a, a wild ride of like just trying to figure this out as I go along with like the main thing, just like trying to get this dog healthy um, while she goes continues to go like insanely viral. And people just tweet at Ellen every day. Well, it's yeah, that's 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 the uh, the next logical step is to go on Ellen. Well, I think it's probably good though that you had experience like producing content and dealing with people just being complete jackass on on social. And yeah, it bothers me too. Like the one comment out of a hundred, the one negative comment out of a hundred, unfortunately eats at you more than the ninety nine positive comments. But you had some experience where, like, say you were not a person who ever you know does anything on the internet, like. People go viral all the time. They have no experience on the internet. And then they're getting harassed by these people, and it probably causes them to go insane. So beyond that, there's – let me tell you about going super viral. There are agencies that reach out to you to represent you and represent your video. Oh, and God. they will hunt down people who have posted it. Like if you took my original video and you ripped it, and like made your own video with like music on the background and posted it to your thing and monetize it in any way, they will hunt you down and get that money. Um, they will also, if the news reaches out to you, so I just think it's a nice story. The news reaches out, I say, yeah, go nuts, use it. They say, hey, can you, like I clipped the footage of the security footage and have it in Google Drive. If the news is like, hey, you have it, like I'll send that over to you. Like it just makes it kind of easier to process. But they're just sharing a story that I'm not trying to make money off of. Um, I've been lucky enough to like impact, a, you know, people, which is awesome. We've got two additional dogs adopted um, that people saw the story and were like, I'm going to go out and adopt a dog. And another person tell me who's followed me for a while. Hey, we were getting ready to go out and buy a dog. We were like going to mills and all this stuff. Nope. We're going to go adopt a dog. So we hope to keep that going. But these agencies reach out right away. Um, they called my parents' house in Florida. Like, they tracked down, and there's a bunch of them. And they're just like, well, then, you know, when the news comes to you, you send them to us. You're giving it to them for free. We could get them to give you, like, $50. And then we split it 60-40. You get 60. And I was just like, I'm going to be honest. Like, that amount of money. Like, if you told me, like, ten grand, we are talking. But, right. like, I'm Kate Moss. I'm not getting out of bed for less than ten grand. <laughs> Um, I've also, so like the other big thing, everyone's like, this has to be a Hallmark movie. So I've had production. It is very Hallmark movie, about, holiday hall, dark movie. I have, here's you. the thing. I, oh yeah. I've had production companies reach out and be like, Hey, we work with Hallmark. Da da da. Like we'd love to turn into a story. And I'm like, all right, well like how much money? Like I have a kid I got to put through like college at yeah. some point, you know, how much money? What are we talking about here? 
And they're like, oh, let us get back to you. But as long as you're interested, whatever. And it's like, I'm not like dying to be interested. But if you tell me you're going to give me like. Yeah, you reached out to grand, me. I didn't reach yeah. out to you. Yeah, I'm not hunting you down. But like you definitely see how people. Uh, OK. And then I give everyone if you want to use this for the news, you can use this story for the news. Use my tweets. Use whatever. Use. I keep saying like use her Instagram because I'm going to start talking to a lot of Yankees on Twitter and it's going to annoy people. That's a, that was going to be something I wanted to bring up too. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of your I dog do, followers. I don't think they realize like you're, you're a baseball psychopath. Like, Oh, I do. <laughs> I'm doing the news here and they're like, yeah, da, da, da. so how about the name? And I'm like, Oh, Susan Putman for Susan Waldman, Yankees radio announcer. <laughs> I've got like, Jorge Posada. I host George's box. And they're like, they just look at you like, dude, if you were just a Philly fan, You'd be on the sidelines for the birds. That's you so know, like, true. You'd be throwing out the first pitch at Bark at the Park. Um, so I did name her after Susan Waldman, uh, and Susan Waldman tracked out my email address and emailed me, and she will be that's a exciting. Gorgeous box. That's ex- yeah. very exciting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you just see how like people get taken advantage of because then people want to do like more complex stories or like, hey, we want to make a video with your video, and it's like you're a notable thing. Like I'm fine with that, and. Uh, then they send you over like, oh, here's a release to sign. And I look at it, and I'm sure most people just sign it. But it says, like, we can use your story for motion pictures, merchandise. And I'm like, oh, no, mm-hmm. you can't. No. And they're like, oh, no, no, that's not – we're not going to do that. We just need this release for, like, the interview part, but we're not going to do any of that. We're I'm not like, going to oh. do it. We're only going to do it if we realize we can do it. Exactly. That's basically what it is. If we realize we can make money, we're going to do it. But we're not going to just do it. Yeah, so I pushed back on a bunch of releases that became like a pain in the ass for these people. Because I was just like, listen, you can either give me another release that doesn't have like this section, like I'm redlining legal documents, or here's an email. You can do a news story one time about this using this. And like, if that's enough, go nuts. If not, I've raised enough money to take care of this dog. Like, I have to go back to work. I have a baby. I have all this stuff. So you definitely see how people get taken advantage of being like super viral. Um, I've gotten tweets and messages from like all over the world. I kind of have like a list of the countries that I've been tweeting of where it's been like translated into like Taiwan and and stuff like that. And then, um, yeah, just messages every day from people of like how great I am, which is like, yo, you should see me at a playoff game. Wait for six months from now. (laughs) See me at a playoff game when I am just motherfucking a Twins fan. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's it's going to be interesting. Monitor the followers and see what happens once once yeah. Yankees baseball starts. But so here's the thing. I think you've known me for a little bit. I'm a baseball psycho, right? Yeah, I we all are. The Yankees need to win the World Series. Um signing Garrett Cole, which obviously we'll talk about later, um made this much easier cuz I'm not like it was out of the way, so I'm not like worrying about like what's happening with Garrett Cole. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Oh, because it happened that all the news happened beforehand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was so like I'm the week like, before. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd be like, I don't know. Someone fix this dog. <laughs> Here's my credit card. I gotta keep. Cashman's gonna give nine years to Cole. Like, I gotta talk about that. Yeah. So it um. Yeah, it's it just been it's been like kind of a wild ride, but I think like in general, I mean, you know, I, mean, I run. So a little more background from I have another charity. Like I've run a scholarship fund in New York. I fund a scholarship at Fordham University, one at Greenwich High School in Connecticut, a couple Little League teams, and a Narcan training program. So even though I'm a psycho Yankees fan and I do critique other fan bases and other things, like in general, I think I'm a good person. I talk a little crazy, but I'm a good person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think yeah. like this 
this is just an opportunity to show it. So like, I wasn't trying to go viral. You try to go viral with like, there's so many times where I've been like, oh, here's a funny tweet. And like, just this tweet's going to go viral. Like that's it never does. I want. It never does though. I just want like a hundred thousand likes or, you know, something like that. I was not looking to be on the news, like nonstop. I mean, one day I just all of a sudden started getting tagged on Twitter because like CNN, who I never talked to, like CNN just had a video. They just tweet a video of me like every two days of me just talking. And it was it was at the perfect time around the holidays where people are looking for these kinds of stories to to put on the news, I think. Yeah, I mean, it would have happened no matter when. But no, I think like if this happens in July, I don't think people care that much. Less. They care less. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know. You've got the impeachment going on. So, like, we're all at each other's throats for, like, politics nonstop. And you are, you know, like, the world's fighting. Like, we're all fighting each other. It's Christmas. We're all looking for something to kind of believe in. And I think if you look at it that, like, an idiot can leave his door open (laughs) and a sweet dog can come in. And then, like, that family can decide to, like, help that dog. And the neighbor doesn't murder us. Like, it all pieced together is a nice story. So, through all of this, did MJ say anything to you about leaving the door open with a newborn baby? No. Shocking. No. I am. Leanne, that would have been, like, the second thing Leanne brought up. (laughs) I was surprised. Like, I was like, honestly, my first thought was, I am never going to hear the end. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. I guess this uh, there was enough viralness to overshadow your extreme screw up. <laughs> and I'll be honest. It's a thing that I've I respond to like questions every once in a while. Like people have like just a question about Susie or like this whole thing. It's a thing that eats me up every day. Like I do. People tell you like, ah, oh, you shouldn't, you know, whatever. But like as a new father, I left like my family like very unsecure. It's a thing that's bothered me every day. I think about it every day. Yeah. And I think maybe that's why I'm trying so much to, like, turn this potentially bad situation into a positive. Um, yeah, just because, like, it was it was just a mistake. It was an accident. You know? So how has that been? Because, I, I don't know. I don't have a baby. But just from hearing friends talk about it, like, the first couple months, obviously, it's, uh, like, sleep, sleep, like, sleep, eat, sleep, eat, cry, sleep, eat. But I, isn't that, like... If this happened at like six months, it probably would have been worse because I think isn't the baby more work at six months than like one month? Yeah. So uh, let's transition to some baby talk. So I have a baby, Johanna Rose. She's beautiful. Um, having a baby is not that bad, if I'm being honest. <laughs> I'm going to hate you. I think people play it up online. And now, don't get me wrong. There are baby. I was born. I had a, a daughter that was born perfectly healthy, happy. Mom, healthy, happy. Everything went great. The funny thing also is, kind of looking back, I was sending you guys like notes on our analytics for Brown's Pinstripes, <laughs> and you were like, "Oh, how's the baby going?" I'm like, "Oh, I'm in the delivery room." Yeah. Like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> I was like, "I don't know. Like, this is gonna take a while. Like, what do you want me to do? I'm not like holding a leg right now." So the page views for November were like exactly. I'm like, aren't you having a baby? Yeah, I'm somehow. I'm also the analytics guy. So I so first like so the first night. All right. So here's what happens. My wife wakes me up. We're a couple days late. She's like, my water broke. Boom, boom, called. We got to go. All right, cool. Pack it up. We've got, I've been driving around with luggage in my car for weeks. We're ready to go. We get there. It's like 630 in the morning. 
My daughter was born at 8.30 at night, so there's a lot of downtime in between. First thing, we, we go into the room. There's two monitors to, like, monitor her and the baby and all that stuff. And there's smelling salt taped to it. And I'm like, hey, what's that for? And they go, that's for you. <laughs> oh, that's for you. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. They're like, it could get squirmish in here. Oh, boy. Um, there is no separation between what's happening and where you are like when things are going like you see it all um which i think i expected like i don't know a curtain or something so that i've heard that term stay above the 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 wall the curtain yeah that doesn't exist not at this hospital um so like you know we go through the whole day of like we're we're just sitting around you know and she's on like medicine and all this stuff and we're they're trying to like really get it going, um, and then yeah it, it's showtime and they're like you're gonna hold a leg like you know like you're pinning her in a wrestling match. Did, and, they, did um, they actually say that or do? Nope. I was like oh like wrestling and she's like stop making jokes and I'm like hey do I get one of those gowns and they were like no and I was like I really like this shirt like I'm wearing <laughs> I'm wearing like my yeah. favorite. I'm wearing like a sweater hoodie that I does, really like. Does placenta wash out? I, I didn't get any on me, luckily. But then, like, the baby's born and she comes down and she's screaming. And uh, because they have like NICU nurses in there just to like do a check. Um, and so, like, they're doing the check and you're like, is everything good? You know? Yeah. Uh, and everything ended up being fine. But then that first night, my wife had to take like a painkiller because she just push a baby out of her hoo-ha and she didn't want to and i'm like just do it because you need to get sleep you're in so much pain so she does and then she wakes up in the morning and she's like oh how you doing do you uh did you get some rest and i'm just like nope just been staring at her all night making sure she's breathing holding my phone under her nose to make sure it like fogs up oh, really like just that because you're just like, on edge just on nothing edge. Like, can happen i'm i'm a bit of a crier like, I'm not like I don't cry a lot, but like I enjoy a good cry. Like if something happens, you can get emotional. Like, let it go. That, I think is that's it, good for Is you. it like a movie? Is it not a movie? Like I don't like Forrest Gump. I like I don't cry at the end because I'm like Jenny got what she deserved. But um, when it comes and how did Forrest to, not catch it? Like, I'll, we'll never know. Yeah, he probably did. There's no sequel for a reason. Um, <laughs> and I am like I expected to cry. And I started to well up, but immediately I went into like just dad mode of like, mm. well, they've got my baby over here. My wife's here. Like I went over, she's screaming. I gave her my finger. She held on to it. Like, you know, I just went into full on dad mode and then I just stayed up that whole night. I went like two days without sleep. Uh, well, were the smelling staring. salts? No, I didn't get to use them. I meant to steal them, to be honest, play with it later. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just like stayed up, watched her and I was just changing diapers and stuff. Like, I'd probably change, like, the first three diapers by myself, and then, like, a nurse came in. At one point, they were going to do a check, and so my wife was changing the diaper, and she was a little all over the place. And they were like, is this your first one? She's like, yeah, he's been doing it the whole time, and I'm just there as a zombie. Like, yeah, no, it's cool. Yeah, it's just black sludge right now. That's all they poop for, like, two days. Well, yeah, there's nothing. It's Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It's probably, like, a weird weird black color, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just, like, tar. not, Not, like, brown poop. No. No, it's not at all. It's just like black tar. Um, Has have you been pooped on yet? No, I haven't been pooped on yet. I've cleaned some like some disaster diapers of just like, whoa, this is like chaos. 
Um, I have, you know, we've had to toss a couple onesies. Are you Nothing desensitized like at this point? Like, are Yo, you not? It's gonna... not that big of a deal when it's not, when it's your kid. I honestly, I, think I, no, I'd have to imagine sort of like picking up your own dog's poop. Yeah, like it's like I never. I mean, I have two dogs now. When we went to go get the first one, I was like, just so we're clear, I don't want this dog. Now I find myself sometimes before we got Susie when I'd be walking just him and it's raining and he's going to poop and I'm holding the umbrella over him. So he at least has some <laughs> dignity. Like, what am I doing? You know? Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's been, I've been spit up on, I guess I've, I've probably gotten poop on me, you know, um, pee all over the place, but I don't know. You just like, don't really care that much because like I wake up with her first thing in the morning. Um, I do the last feeding and the first feeding. Uh, so I get up with her at like seven and she just smiles at you. Like she's now in her second month is when they do social smiles. Like they recognize like your dad and mm-hmm. I smile at you. And that just like it lights up the world. It's amazing. Yeah. It's the greatest drug in the world. Have a kid. <laughs> Go out tonight. New Year's Eve. Have a couple drinks. Have a, a kid. Year. Adopt a dog. Life will be good. Listen, man, the dog thing is throwing me for a loop. So, yeah. So. We didn't. We chose not to talk about having a baby publicly. Yeah. Because, first of all, I hate, like, gender reveals. I'm just like, everyone has something better to do with their time than go to a gender reveal. Um, Unless and, you go viral for a gender reveal fail. Yeah. but And then it's just like, oh, you can't throw a softball. Right. And then. Um, well, I've seen ones where the, the, the dad is, like, swinging a baseball bat and just. And he misses. S- no clocks the wife on the backswing in the face love it and that's then the thing the ball just falls to the ground and explodes in pink or whatever that's what you get for tying up everyone's sunday yeah. <laughs> um and it's just i don't really like like announcements um because honestly like for the most part like i don't care like i just don't think that many people actually care that i had a baby like in terms of like people are like oh my god congratulations like who gives a shit like it's my thing to deal with that's just kind of how i look at it yeah, and especially not- for, I mean, obviously friends and family care, but uh, followers on social media, on Instagram and Twitter, it's like, do you really care? Like, yeah, you're going to like but- my tweet. Great. Thank you. Yeah. Like, I'll post pictures. But like, I, you know, because then people ask you and it's uncomfortable. Like my wife, there's not a single picture of my wife pregnant. She had her baby shower. It was almost like the taping of a comedy special. Like she wanted to put everyone's bag. Holding like, the gifts in, in front of her stomach. Yeah. Just putting like the phones in a bag. Like you can't use them. Because, like, I don't, it's when you look your worst. Like, it's just not, you know. I, I don't get people. I would always jokingly be like, you want to take, like, some topless pictures, like, where I hold your – you hold your belly and I hold your boobs. And then it's like – and we just send that out as a Christmas card. Like, we live in one of the Carolinas. But, um, yeah, so we just decided not to do it. So unless you, like, saw us, you didn't know. And then, like, we announced, like, hey, we had a baby. And people were like, what? That's yeah. crazy. And now, and she's really cute. So now I'm just like, yeah, I'll take those likes. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. You're just reining in the likes with the, the adopted puppy and the baby pics. Dude, it is, cr- like, yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, I just, I take a billion pictures of her. Like, yeah. I love her so much. And, like, we, we also didn't want to. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, dude, it's the best. JJ does have a heart. Um, yeah, in terms of likes, like my Twitter's done twenty two and a half million impressions this month, which is insane. It's <laughs> yeah. an insane number. It's like John Boy numbers. Um, I compared to two million the month before. <laughs> so, yeah. I, also, I will say, do you know anything about like having a baby? No, dude. 
you don't. Like, no one does. Turns out, like... Oh, it turns out everyone's just winging it? Everyone's just pretending? Yeah. That's what I've oh. learned is, like, becoming an adult, right? Like, you get into the workforce, you rent an apartment, you get married. Like, everyone just seems to be pretending they know what's going on. None of us know. And then, like, even, like, the pro- like a woman's body. Like, it's a nightmare. I'm so happy I'm a guy. Because... Um, like at the same time, a girl we went to college with announced that she was pregnant, had a gender reveal party planned two days before lost the baby, had to like call all these people and like all this stuff. And it's like, it's terrible to hear, uh, like we lucked out, everything ended up being fine, but you hear these stories, um, about, you know, miscarriages or like people who just can't, you know, have kids and you kind of put yourself in those like, ah, shit, you know, like that could be us. Um, and it really makes you rethink a lot of the time in like your twenties when like, you know, a girl decides she's not drinking one time. You're like, Oh, what are you pregnant? Yeah. Or just like, ah, it's shitty. Don't do that. (laughs) I'll never do that again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I have a happy, healthy baby. I have two dogs. Um, and my biggest thing, my wife wanted a second dog and I was just like, think about how stupid I would look walking down the street with two dogs. You can check just, me twice a, twice a day. Just doing tangling, that. tangling the yeah. leashes. Yeah, yeah, it's a nightmare. And so I'm I, to whenever you see the thing. dog walkers in New York City with like seventeen dogs, uh, I'm like that. That looks. You couldn't pay me enough to do that. <laughs> no, and they're definitely not paid enough. No. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I mean, in terms of stuff to cover from while I was out, that's not Yankee related. I have a dog. I have almost forty thousand dollars. I have a plan on how Susie to has almost forty thousand dollars. Yes, be clear. You don't want to get in trouble. So I had to get her a P.O. box uh, just because it was, like, too much, like, too many people asking for my address. And I – so I went, and her name's – like, it's my P.O. box, but her name's on it, too, because I want – you know, people can address stuff to her. And uh, they were like, all right, um, so just so you know, Susan will need an ID every time she comes. I was like, oh, no, you won't have to worry about that. And they were like, what do you mean? I go, oh, it's it's a dog. <laughs> and she goes – Wait, what? And I go, it's weird. I have this dog. It's like famous now. <laughs> and my wife doesn't want me giving out our home address. And I turn around and the lady goes, you're Susie's dad. Oh, really? Yeah, that's in a, the post office. That's hilarious. Because I did it on like Christmas Eve like an idiot. But like people were, I was just giving out my address to too many people. And like some lady asked for my address and I gave it to her. And she was like, oh, my God, I thought it'd be a P.O. box. Like I have children <laughs> doing this. Didn't you just have a baby? Like be yeah. smarter. Yeah, I'm just like, <laughs> clearly I'm not. That's how we ended up here. Yeah. Um, yeah, you got any more questions about the dog or the baby or anything? I think we've covered those. All right. It's been a wild month. So if you've been listening to hear about baby and dog talk, I don't know, maybe there'll be more of it. I don't really know. Uh, but I didn't really get to talk about this long form. Uh, and I don't know. Who knows? Maybe I'll be on Ellen. But the reason we are here, the reason we have this show is to talk about your 2020 world champion New York Yankees the best team in baseball the best front office in baseball who decided you know what here's a sign from God JJ we are gonna sign Garrett Cole so you don't have to worry about anything while you're on the news all the time man it's been I haven't talked about this since like the season ended we're gonna dive into everything that's happened in the offseason I'm very happy with this offseason so far. How could you not be? You. As a, you see people. So there's 
plenty of people complaining about the Yankees offseason. Like, uh, we I'll talk just, about hating them soon. We put out a clip the other day. Um, is Scott and I were just sort of going over like the American League outlook. And, like some teams have gotten better. Like the Rangers got better. They got Corey Kluber. The Blue Jays signed Ryu. Like that made their team better. And the Red Sox might be getting worse because they might be selling off some of their best players. And people were commenting like, uh, the Yankees still aren't good enough with the way the American League is. Yeah, they signed Cole, but every other move has been a disaster. So even people are not happy with this offseason, even though they got the best pitcher uh, available. You can argue best pitcher in baseball to a team that was already one of the best teams in baseball. And the team that they lost to, which we don't even know if that was on the up and up now, just lost their best pitcher. Yeah. People are still not happy. (laughs) So before we dive into this, for anyone who doesn't listen to the Bronx Pinstripe show, you, I say like you and Scott, you guys are the faces of Bronx Pinstripes. How did you go from guy who grew up, what, you grew up like next door to Fenway, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right in the shadows. Yeah, yeah you're, so you're from Rhode Island. Um, how do you end up at Bronx Pinstripes? How are you a Yankees fan in Rhode Island? How do you end up at Bronx Pinstripes growing the same beard as Scott? He's grown. First of all, he's grown the same beard as me. Let's just get that out of the way. People constantly mistake us for not only the same person, but brothers or at least definitely brother. I see the brothers thing at least cousins. But yeah, so Rhode Island obviously is is New England and it's more heavily Red Sox. But there is a big contingent of Yankee fans there. I I have not run the math, but I would guess 70 30 split between Red Sox and Yankees fans. And It's because there's a very there was anyway a very large uh, Italian population in Rhode Island and my Joe DiMaggio Joe, Joe DiMaggio D. so my dad's dad it was an Italian immigrant and when he came he came over to the states was became a baseball fan and just was in love with Joe DiMaggio as were well, as was every Italian in, in America so that's sort I did of not think that's where this was gonna go. Whoa, that's uh, yeah. way more interesting. I thought it was be like, I don't know, my dad likes it. No, no, no. So that's where the uh, t- that's where the the Yankee roots in on my dad's side comes from. However, my my grandmother, who just turned ninety, is a diehard Red Sox fan to this day. Diehard, diehard Red Sox fan. My dad has seven siblings. Four of them are Yankees fans, and three of them are Red Sox fans. So respect to your grandma, but I'd fight her. <laughs> so. <laughs> So there was like there was split and I just I just got lucky, I guess, that my dad was one of the Yankees fans. And then um I was born in, in the late eighties and became like started remembering things when Derek Jeter was winning World Series. So like there's that's just how you become a, a psychotic diehard Yankees fan. If you I think if yeah, you, it's much you, easier. you couldn't not in the nineties of the Yankees and, and it's kind of funny, uh, a little little plug if you guys have not listened to it uh, i just talked to michael king who's also from rhode island also sort of like a, a funny story about why he ended up being a yankees fan even though m- uh, many people in his family is a red sox fan Ooh, um, i'm gonna have to listen to that yeah Good but but that's sort of how how it happened um and then like the bronx pinstripes thing so after i moved to boston after college and Did i would go to school a uh, university of vermont Okay. So New England and then Boston's the closest. What do you go to school for there? I would say I studied business. I got a business oh, okay. degree. Yeah, they got I a, a business degree, cutting down trees. They I got a solid, solid, uh, solid business school up there. I thought it was just like smoking weed and hacky sack. There's a lot of that. Sweet. A, a lot of that. 
Uh, great. Burlington, Vermont. Great I like. Time. I know one guy. So, like, I went to the Bronx High School of Science, which is, like, one of the top high schools in the world. And I know one person who went to University of Vermont, and he's a ski instructor now. So, that's the thing. I, 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 I skied in the winter. I don't know how you can survive Burlington, Vermont in the winter if you don't ski or don't enjoy anything outdoors in the winters because it is miserable otherwise. There, there are days you're walking to class and there's so there's Lake Champlain and there's just like wind off the lake and it's minus 30 degrees. And yeah, I'm it's just all out that day. Yeah, people just would hibernate for four straight months, drink beer, smoke weed and then come back out in late March. That, that was basically a lot of the that was a lot of the winters up in Burlington. How did I get on that? Boston. I started a. I was bored at work and I started a Tumblr blog. Basically, it's called. It's uh, like I'm gonna. I just want to say this. I want to because there's a certain extent. It's just like I just want to yell this stuff into a vacuum. Yeah. So exactly. And I. This was 2011, and I started a Twitter account. It was called Yankees Talk, and a, and a Tumblr blog called Yankees Talk. Have you ever gone back and like your first tweet and looked up looked up what it was? No, I think I'm gonna. Uh, honestly, I've been thinking about just like deleting a lot of my tweets. <laughs> yeah. So I just I remember uh, I did that like a couple years ago, and my my first tweet was about like Ivan Nova's spring training performance. It was just like just a take on Ivan Nova's spring training performance for like no followers. I'm like, who did the- you just? Did you turn that into your current handle? Yeah, yeah. I just oh, okay. changed it over. Uh, um, yeah, someone. I think someone else has it now. Probably. Yes, they do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was doing that for like a couple months, and then I, I was just in the the early days of Yankees Twitter when there was no one, like when no one knew how to use Twitter. Like, I wish I could go back then and be like, "Hey, don't just tweet that Derek Jeter singled to left. Like, make a joke about it." And maybe you'll gain more followers back in 2011. I hope people are listening to that now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, but I, uh, I started, I started interacting with a guy with the uh, Twitter handle NYY Universe. Turned out to be Scott, and then that's how we became online friends. And eventually, so was he doing Bronx Pinstripes? At the it was time? called New York. It was called NYYUniverse.com. Okay, and. You know, he's got some website technical experience. So he had a website, but like he wasn't really doing anything with it because he wasn't writing. So it was just sort of like a website with like Yankees pictures, essentially. And he was like, oh, I want someone to write on the website. And I was like, OK, fine. Like, I'll do it. I'll just basically do what I was doing on my Tumblr blog for that. And I started doing it on NYYUniverse.com. And we got a cease and desist fairly early. Like 2012, we got a cease and desist that we could no longer use NYY Universe because the yes, I think the Yes Network owns that or, or something. Wow! And I was like, oh, we're legit now. Like, I, I guess I guess we're getting noticed. And I um, mean, behind the scenes, I'm trying to get Scott to eat cease and desist all the time. <laughs> I mean, you see me. That's always my business advice: is like make a shirt, yeah, put someone's face on it eat that cease and desist so we were just like well what do we do what what are we going to change the name to and it just landed on bronx pinstripes and um that turned into and then and we started getting more writers uh we started we had a guy ryan who was just doing game recaps so there was like consistent stuff going up yeah 
and um it just sort of grew from there we we then that was for like three years we did that and i again i kicked myself like we should have started the podcast earlier we still started in 2015 first episode aired in march 2015 which for podcasts like not everyone had a podcast at that point now 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 i'm susie probably will have a podcast pretty soon and there are some talks yeah and so it was like early enough where we could get a foothold um but like i still wish we started it earlier yeah i mean you look at it now the i think if you get like five thousand downloads you're in the top one percent of podcasts it's crazy. yeah there's just so much content out there it's yeah there's, there's so much out there and even when you think about like yankees podcasts it's you guys john boy short porch and i would say like this show's probably next yeah i mean if I you just look at i you just look at itunes rankings yeah i mean for whatever those are worth yeah but i mean even just kind of using like common sense of like who's out there but there are a lot of shows out there yeah there's a lot lot of shows out there and i get questions i get people dming me like you know do you have any advice for like i'm a huge yankees fan do you have any advice for starting a new podcast and i'm just like i mean what what do you want me to tell you like just do it because so many people, yeah. so many people will be like, "Oh, I'm, I want to start a podcast. I want to start a podcast. I'm going to start a podcast." I recorded my first episode, and then nothing. Like, just just start doing it, and you don't know where it will go. And the shitty thing is, it's probably not going to go anywhere. No, it's not going to go anywhere at all. Like, I always tell people when they ask me about starting a podcast because I had another one, Yuppie Junk, that I did for a couple of years, and I just got tired of it and I stopped, and it was successful i was doing like 10 15,000 downloads a week which is considered very successful yeah. for a podcast i was making money on it but i just like my life went in a different direction uh, i just tell people just do it just do it you think it's hard to do the first one the 15th one's very hard yeah the 20th one i mean i just took a hiatus from this show because i was like oh, i'm having a baby where you know we're we're going through some staffing changes like it kind of worked out and then we were going to come back in december and it was like, ah, let's just hold off for the holidays. Like, imagine if I had to do a podcast in between all this Susie stuff. You know, so it's tough to do. But And we say, you say had to do a podcast. Scott and I haven't, there has not been a week since March 2015 that there has not been a new Bronx Pinstripe show. And now it's not always been the two of us, like, because one of us is unavailable for whatever reason and someone yeah. will fill in. But there's been at least one episode every week since March 2015. And I don't think people understand, like, how difficult that is and i don't want to make this out to be like oh my god like i'm I'm working you know working my ass off but there's plenty of times where i just don't want to record for one reason or another like i actually have work to do or it's a late night for whatever reason and the yankees are playing the kansas city royals on a wednesday night and the game doesn't mean shit because it's in july and the royals suck and i don't want to have to stay up until two o'clock in the morning to record a podcast but there's do it there's also a certain amount of like managing personalities because I'm sure there's been times when you're not available or Scott's not available and the other one is and your unavailability makes like his life harder or his makes your and like you guys are good friends you guys are partners you guys get along great uh but there are probably times where you're like you motherfucker you can't just do this right now which is very tough to do and to find in a partnership of being able to feel that and get over it and so uh Scott has been open about Kemp's um health struggles yeah. especially in the early part of his life and so kemp was born in the summer of 2017 
and I filled in. And, and yeah, you filled in on the night he was born. But like you just talked about how everything's been uh, healthy with, with your daughter. And it's still like imagine going through something like that. And, you know, I was trying to be very mindful of like, Scott, you do not have to sign on to do this podcast. Like, like, I get it. Like, if you want to back away for a month or, or two, like, by all means, do that. And he didn't. So, like, he and I try and make an effort unless we're out of the country or just literally cannot get an Internet signal to do it and to, like, have each other's backs. But, yeah, life life gets in the way. Like, things get in the way. And we just, you know, you said like, oh, I have to do a podcast. Like, I don't have to do a podcast. True. I'm not, I, I don't have a boss that's telling me I have to do this podcast. See, I say have but to, I, not because it's like this thing I don't want to do. It's, um, I'm big on the, uh, on people's time and like I value it. So yep. like if you give me an hour, two hours, whatever a week and you've said, and you hit that subscribe button, like I owe that to you. A hundred percent. I felt really bad about going on hiatus when I just did. But, like, the birth of my daughter and, like, just the staffing situation at the time, like, just didn't – it made sense to do it this way. Uh, but, like, I felt bad about it a ton of times. I missed a ton of news. Yeah, and, and I enjoy doing a podcast. You enjoy doing a podcast. You want to talk yeah. about it. You want to get feedback from people. You want to you wanna, you wanna know if people enjoyed your take or, or, or not and have an interaction. And that's definitely part of why I do it. But, yeah, I, I do – like, personally, I feel – like responsibility to get a good episode out every week or twice a week or three times a week or whatever. That's the other thing is the quality. Like, and I'm not just doing it to do it. And I know you'll feel the same way. If I have a bad show, for whatever reason, like the show doesn't go well. It eats me up until we record the next show. It's like doing stand up. Um, I haven't done it in a little bit, but I used to do a lot of stand up, and it was like, if I bomb or it just doesn't go well, like I need to get, Sometimes I was like, I just plan on doing this one set, this one place. I'm now online trying to find another set that's yeah. in like an hour that I can do because like I have you've got to get the like the the gunk off you. Yeah, and stand up's got to be obviously much more. Um, you're putting yourself out there a lot more because this is pre-recorded. That's live, but yeah, there are there are some similarities there. You want you want to put out a, a good product. Yeah. Um. So. You end up starting the right. You bring on a couple writers, and where to? So one of the things that in my year now at Bronx Pinstripes, I've been very impressed with like the infrastructure. Um, that there are these pockets of people who love the Yankees, and Bronx Pinstripes has been a thing that can kind of pull these strangers together, all over the country, some places like around the world, but like what. Was that something you were always going for? Did it start to come on its own? Uh, I mean, so Scott might have a different – because Scott did start Bronx Pinstripes. Um, yeah. So he might Scott have – Scott will be on in a couple weeks. So He we'll might have a different uh, take on this. But I think it's one of those things that as we saw it to get – as we started to get traction, that, that motivates you even more. That motivates you to, to do new things, to build more, to do, to do a better job. And – we we saw that there was an interest for people wanting to contribute in one way or another, and we still have people. We get we get uh, five to ten emails a week about people saying, "Hey, I'm in college, or I, I really want to contribute this." And some of them are just people like literally will send a sentence saying, 
hey, I'm a huge Yankees fan. I want to write. Other people actually have something to contribute, which is usually the people we respond to. But we just gain more people. And then it's sort of like a, a trial and error. You assign a responsibility to somebody. Can they handle it? Can they be accountable? Can they help drive the machine? Or are they going to be just someone who writes once a week or maybe not even once a week? And then you start to find that nucleus. And I, and, and every the Bronx pinstripes would not be what it is without everybody. But because Scott and I have sort of been there to, to – uh, I don't know what the word is, just like ground it and, and make sure that it's like moving forward always with people like coming in and out and rich too. Rich has been there for a while. Um, it, uh, I think that's, that's the only way it is what it is today because it would have been so easy to just lose track of, of the whole thing. Yeah. And then beyond like the people who actually write for Bronx Pinstripes, the thing that I've really enjoyed seeing, I think this is really like the first year of it, has been like the BP crews. Um, and kind of the chapters. All, all over the chapters, yeah. all over the country, world. And then also the turnout for events. I mean, we had 400-something people game two of the ALDS. We've had hundreds of people come for um, – different games throughout the year spring training is coming up we've got close to 200 people people. going to a spring training game which blows me away that's so awesome we the first event we did was in june of 2017 and i was there no you weren't wasn't that judge and uh no no no. that was um that was just like a, a team outing oh okay like the first event we sold tickets to Gotcha. Was I thought it was happening because I happened to run into you guys. You did. It like was outings. the hottest day on earth. Yes. And um, yeah, that was 16. So 17 June 2017, we did our first event um, that we sold tickets to. And you know me, I'm a, I'm a cynical person. Scott's the more positive person. We were like planning it, and I'm like, if we get 50 people to buy tickets, I'm gonna be thrilled. Like, I'm huge. I, I I'll be ecstatic. I'll I'll like 50 tickets because we had like up to like 250 that we could have sold and i'm like there's just no way like it's not going to happen and we ended up selling like over 200 tickets and i was blown away with with the amount of people that that wanted to come to the event and it's not just i mean they wanted to see the yankees so i get that but we had a pre-game party some things went right some things went wrong there's a whole situation with the beer at billy's we got over that. We learned from our mistakes and we moved on. But like that's when I think in both of me and Scott's minds were like, okay, this more than just like a casual thing. Because if you can get 200 people to buy to a do t- anything. to buy a ticket and come to something, that's I mean that's it's awesome. And then the next year we did 6 of them and then the, the this past season we did um, 5 at the stadium and then next year we have a bunch planned as well. So, and yeah, they, they seem to, so many familiar faces come every time, um, which is awesome. I've, I've made friends from these events that I never, you know, would have thought I would have made, made friends from. And, uh, yeah, that BP crew, the chapter thing, it's just, it's a real, like, it sounds corny, but it's a really fun thing to be a part of. I think it's like. Like you talk about just getting people to buy something. There are so many people on you know, Yankees Twitter who it's like, oh, I've got 
look, I've got these followers, right? And getting followers and getting people to like your tweets or what you know your Instagram posts really isn't that hard. I mean, you just post highlights. That's what people do. They just repost highlights, and people like the Yankees, so they'll like it. But I think to get people to go into their wallet, get their credit card, reach out to their friends because you don't want to go alone and mm-hmm. be like, hey, do you want to go to this thing, um, is big. But then to – so there's pressure on your guy's end to make that first event work. And like you said, it's not perfect. We're still improving the events every time. Uh, that's what really speaks to what you and Scott have built, I think, is that – People will go through the physical act of going, getting their wallet, taking out their credit card, da, 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 you know, going through that, showing up, getting their friends to come, seeing that it's a good time. It's a credit to you guys on, on what you've built. Because if you just want to go to a, a Yankees game, that's not cheaper. That's not a playoff game. You can go for cheaper. You can go on the secondary market and you can get tickets for fifteen dollars the twenty minutes before the game, and you can you can have a pretty decent seat and and for, buy it for fifteen dollars. And our, our, I think our tickets are more than reasonably priced, but you get so much. And I think that's like that's why people come back because it's fun. You're part of a yeah. group. You're in the section together. You're going to the bar together. You're getting drunk together. You're yeah, sure you're having fun. You're, you're making jokes. You're talking about baseball all together. You get a shirt. We had the rally towels at the playoff game like there. It's not just the baseball that people are buying the ticket for. Because if it was just the baseball, they wouldn't buy a ticket to our event because it's yeah, cheaper no. tickets. It's it's a ton of fun. I mean, I went to my first ones this year. Ton of fun. I was like surprised from the beginning of like how many people it was and like this community that's been built. Uh, they've accepted me for the most part, uh, so I appreciate that. But yeah, I, I think it's awesome what you guys built. So let's uh, let's talk a little Yankees. Um. So. I'm going to just kind of run through what's happened in the offseason because I know you've discussed this week after week. You'll and chime nausea. in. Yeah, you'll chime in when you, when you, you feel like it. I'll, I'll throw out some opinions there because I think a lot of them are pretty cut and dry. Let's start the offseason off. Greg Bird's gone. Of course. Of course. What else were we going to do? Greg Bird had to go. You missed, anyone thinks differently? I'm interjecting already. You missed the first good PR move by the Yankees this offseason. They released so, Ellsbury. Oh, yes. Well, that was the same time. Yeah, it was the same yeah. time. But I but, did. Like I that's forgot, the f- I've forgotten so much about Ellsbury in general that yeah. I didn't bring him up first. Think about it. They're they're there. I know there. There's a legal battle that they're trying to like regain some money, and I don't think it's going to happen because the players' union is ironclad. But like, you might as well fight it out. You got these lawyers on retainer yeah, sure. anyway. But you're giving twenty six million dollars one way or the other. Maybe you're only giving twenty. Right. But if they do have to. Be, at the time, we thought they're paying him $26 million to fuck off. Yeah. Let's go. Like, that excited everybody. That was, I said on our show, that was like one of the few things every Yankees fan I came across was on the same page about. Well, I mean, how can you not be? There's no one who was out there who was like, who knows, he might come back after two years. Well, how could you not be on the same page about Garrett Cole, yet here we are? Oh, well, because we're going to talk about how dumb people are. Okay, but so you know how dumb people are, and even the dumb people were on the right side of this Ellsbury thing. So I I thought it was a beautiful, um, good PR moment for the Yankees by just cutting Ellsbury. It just, like, started the offseason off on a good foot. I think that, and I think also Bird, too, because it was at the same time. Mm -hmm. I think just the two of them is just saying, 
you know, because there's so much criticism. We didn't do enough for the deadline. We don't, you know, no one ever does enough. But it was just like, we're going to take these two, these two albatrosses that are hanging out of like, will they, won't they? And we're just going to put it behind us. And now everyone said they're still not going to go out and spend money. Well, not everyone. Half of people. like They're still not going to spend money or anything. But I thought that was the first thing. Like, that gave me a lot of security into what the Yankees were going to do with Garrett Cole because they were just saying, like, we're putting the bad stuff behind us. We're moving forward. It's all we can do at this point. Yeah, and with Bird, like, you can, you know, some people still make the argument, like, well, if he is healthy, he could be a productive player. But I'm just glad we don't have to talk about that anymore. Like, Yeah, if my we, aunt had a dick, she'd be my <laughs> uncle. Like, we know he's not going to be healthy at this point. I'm yeah. a little sad that he's not going to be there for spring training because, you know, He's always exciting watching him hit like nine home runs in spring training. I'm but. surprised he hasn't signed anywhere yet. Yeah. I've yeah, I guess like teams Orioles, are trying to figure out Brewers, like Red Sox. Yeah, teams, I guess, trying to figure out their, their roster and then they're like, all right, we'll take a chance on Greg Bird. Yeah, I mean, it's weird that he was, you know, he's the Yankees first baseman, future Hall of Famer a couple of years ago. And now it's like, who's going to use him as depth? Yeah. <laughs> who's going to use who's going to use him as depth? for the first week and a half before he gets plantar fasciitis again and out. Yeah. For I was just months. talking like organizational depth, yeah. like, cause he's not, I just, it, it's a shame. Like hopefully he still pieces together like these million dollar contracts and can like lead a nice life. But dude, just not healthy. No, <laughs> like, you're just not healthy. No, we got to move on. Um, so those two things happen right away. Uh, we also get the announcement that Hicks needs Tommy John surgery. And so he's going to miss like the first half of the year. Um, I he he obviously hit that big home run in game five. Yep. I I didn't like uh, Hicks coming back. Aside from that, I didn't like. I thought it was selfish. Like you were sent home, you were shut down, and then you pushed yourself beyond doctor's orders, beyond the team's orders, and like maybe he needed Tommy John from the beginning. Maybe he. It was something that rest would have been fine, and now he needs Tommy John because he pushed himself. And I get it. You're going to go out there and try to win the a World Series because you get a chance to and all that stuff. But he wasn't exactly like an integral part of the team that, you know, it was like, oh, man, we need to get him back. Um, It'd be, you'd probably feel differently had he – I mean, he did actually play okay when he came back. But had the Yankees at least, like, got to the World Series and, like, Hicks' home run then really meant something off Verlander, maybe you'd feel differently. Yeah, maybe I would, but like even I mean, we were at the games together, and I was saying like I don't like that he's here. You yeah, know? but they they also like couldn't even get Stanton on the field, so they yeah. did need outfielders. Yeah, Talkman was available. No, he wasn't. This is the number one Talkman podcast. Your guy, your guy, your guy, Talkman. Yeah, biggest Talkman fan. Yeah, I mean, it stinks that like now Hicks is going to be out for half the year because I think what we saw with Didi last year of. He, it's tough to come back from Tommy John, regardless of the position you play, if a big part of it is your arm. And then, you know, the team also gets into a groove. Like our hope is that we're in a groove because, you know, we're, we're looking at a crazy opening day lineup if everyone's healthy. Obviously, injuries are going to happen, but, you know, well, think I'm about always the worried about disrupting things. Think about the outfield. Uh, on paper, it's, it's unbelievable. Judge... Stanton, Hicks when he's healthy in the second half of the year, Gardner and Talkman as backups. All of those guys are injury risks. All of them. Yeah. So the outfield can go to shit in the blink of an eye. It can. I just wish Hicks was healthy to start the year. And, you know, 
I do too because like Hicks gets a lot of hate, but he's, he sees a lot of pitches. He's I like good. That. He is like I a, think that could set the tone early in the season. He is a quality player. Yeah, I in, in the lineup. I think he's a ten million dollar a year player. A switch hitter in their lineup as it currently stands, I think is valuable. Yeah, no, I totally agree. That's why I'd like a minute instead of yeah coming back in the middle of the playoffs. Um, Chapman. We got an extension done. There was the, like, will he, won't he? I was fine letting Chapman walk if, like, the deal was there. If he wanted some crazy money or another team offered something to drive up the price. Three years, $48 million. We don't have to worry for, you know, the next couple of years at what's going to happen at the end of games. I'm fine with that. Like, I mean, obviously he blew that, you know, he blew the game. Uh, gave up that home run to El Tuve to end the season. Yeah. Um, he had that smirk that everyone criticized, but it's like, that's just shock. Um, yeah, I never, I never take too much stock into the immediate reaction after something like that because yeah, it, it is, it is shock. And he had a great season. What? So they added a year to yeah. to, to, to him. I'm yeah. fine. I'm fine with that. If, uh, I'm totally if it was, if it was going to be like adding two or three years, then, um, I would have not been fine with that. Yeah, I'm fine with that. You add a year to it. He's happy. We're happy. Like everyone's good. So we're going to talk about this with Cole, but let me ask you a question. Um, Are you like one of these people that's just like, well, it's not my money. So who cares? So it's not my money, but. And eventually, yeah, we were going to get to this. I think so many people are so stupid because they're just like the Yankees are, you know, billion trillion dollars but they they don't spend at that same percentage you know they're worth yeah. twice the twins they should be spending twice as much as the twins were four times whatever it is you don't become the most valuable franchise in sports by spending money stupidly you have contracts that won't work out i mean that's kind of the crapshoot of contracts but you're just like you can't just throw money at everything like why don't we have a 300 million dollar payroll because that's a $400 million payroll with luxury tax and all this stuff. You can't just spend money to spend it. There's got to be a rhyme or reason to it. So that's why, like, if he wanted three years, if he, you know, three additional years instead of one, if instead of it at pretty much the same price, he wanted $20 million a year, good, go get it. But, like, he wouldn't be worth that to the Yankees. D.D. Gregorius wasn't worth $14 million for one year. There, There's a certain point where it just, like, doesn't make sense. If Chapman left, then yeah, we probably get Patances for cheaper. You know, like you've got to have that. And I think Yankee fans get caught up in, and so much of what I see in just, I want them to win. I want them to get everyone, but I yeah. want them to do it with the guys that I already know and love. <laughs> yeah. I agree with what you just said. I kind of take a different approach to it where it's, yes, I know it's not my money. And it, technically it does affect my pocket if they increase ticket prices or increase beer se- concession prices or whatever it is. But, but, but it, Steinbrenner is signing the checks, not me. But I like talking about it. As a fan and, and someone who follows the team so closely, I like being able to talk. Well, is he worth one-year extension, two-year extension? And like, I like playing that game. So if, you're, if you just say, well, it's not, it's not my money, who cares, then the fun of talking about it is sort of taken away. So just from like a interesting conversation perspective, I'm going to treat it like it is my own money, whether that's stupid or not. Yeah. Otherwise just like, yeah, sure. Why? You know what? Let's play at the Taj Mahal. 
Like yeah. why, you know, why not? I joked when I was on Inside Edition, someone took a screenshot and it was me and my wife sitting there and we looked like house hunters. Like yeah. when they were just like, oh, I paint seashells. Yeah. She refurbishes napkins part time. <laughs> Our budget's $1.3 billion. Like, I loved that because I, I joke with Leanne all the time whenever she watches those shows. I'm like, how are these people going to afford a hire like a brownstone in the West Village? This guy doesn't even have a full time job. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's what it is. I mean, Brian Cashman has been the general manager of the Yankees for 20 something years. He's been with the organization for 73 years. <laughs> he knows more about running a baseball team than the account executive at some shitty advertising agency or like, you know, whatever, just like regular job that like people like us have. Like we got to put some trust in him. And I've tr I trust Brian Cashman. He's, you know, at times he's probably at his hands like handcuffed in terms of spending by the new Steinbrenners. He probably had limitations on setting rules with George Steinbrenner. So there's all these like things that he's gone around. He's done it with a, a level of class where he's not fighting with ownership that we see a lot of times in sports organizations that like it's also not his money he's spending like he's spending someone else's money. He's accountable to it. And these people have jobs, families, you know. I think it's been a pretty um, – the Yankees, even though they didn't go to the World Series in the 2010s, for the last decade, it's been a uniform operation, which you cannot say about so many franchises. Like, look at just local franchises, the, the, like the Knicks, the, the Giants, the, the Jets, and then other baseball teams that we follow, like the Mets. The Red Sox have had so much organizational turmoil, despite the fact that they've won two championships, like – they're firing GMs every three years. Like, I don't think people appreciate the uniformity that Brian Cashman and the Steinbrenners have had for a long time. And I know it hasn't translated to a World Series, so people are probably saying, like, well, then what good is it done? But I do think it is good. I think, listen, we're right there. We're at the doorstep. We know it's happening. I think everyone who's a Yankees fan who's watched this, who watched the 90s and all this stuff, knows, like, we're right there. It's, it's going to happen. It's happening in 2020, 2021, 2022. We're being realistic. Like, if let's say it doesn't happen in 2020, and then I have to kill myself, um, it'll happen, like, right after. If you but, die, which you're afraid, afraid to do before you see another championship. No, it's not the championship. It's just telling my story um, of how I died. But they... Um, you know what you could do? Videotape it. You could, or you could just... suicide. Yeah. Just, yeah. You've thought about this. You've live run through all the scenarios. Live stream it. It'll go super viral. Um, it's so, yeah, I mean, like you've got to do it all within reason, which I think people don't get. And then there's the extremes. It's also like when the Yankees have all these injuries like they had all last year or like things just aren't going well. Everybody wants to be the first person who was right that we weren't going to win the World Series. Nobody wants to be the last guy in that stadium when they get eliminated. And like I've personally, when we lost in the uh, wild card a couple of years ago, I was the last fan in that stadium. Cause oh, I still like 2015. Yeah. That was, turn the, that was a depressing ass back day. On. Yeah. It was trading play. Turn the machines back on, like run this back. Well, it's like when you, um, when we were at game five of this past season and the game was over and the Yankees won, everyone was happy. But we're just sort of walking around like the concourse. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be back until next April. 
I explained this to my wife throughout, like going to the playoffs. Like there were certain games where you're like, all right, I feel good because I know I'll be back here tomorrow or I know I'll be back here again. But then there, there is that like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. And I remember as we left because it was a Friday night, I was like, I'll see everyone here Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. And we weren't there Tuesday. We're not and there. It, like, and it hurts and it sucks. I would have been um, there. I would have been there despite getting married soon after that. Yeah. I think we would have been there. We had a streak going to go in all the games. So like yeah. we would have just kept going. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like you want to like hypothetically spend the money wildly, like go nuts, but then don't be mad when that doesn't happen. I think what you guys did on your show was a good exercise. You had Frank Marco and Nick Herbie and Nick will be my guest on the show next week. Um, go through and say like, here's some realistic things that we think the Yankees could do kind of keeping within, um, you know, certain like realistic salary restraints. Um, and like there were some trades you guys suggested with like some guy on the Padres. I have no idea who he is, but like took some real thought into it instead yeah. of just like, you know, what we do here's what we do. <laughs> Simers, they got a lot of money. Time machine, Barry Bonds. Yeah, we make it happen. It's we like signed Bobby Bonds. So then Barry doesn't hate us. We get Barry. There we go. We were nice to Ken Griffey Sr. We get Ken Griffey Jr. There you go. Bronx, baby. It's like the Seinfeld George Costanza clip when he goes into Steinbrenner's office. And he's like, I think I figured out a way how to get Bonds and Griffey without having to give up too much. Like, that is every fan on Twitter. Like, well, why don't, yeah. why don't we just get Mike Trout? Because the Angels need pitching, so they'll want Jay Happ. So Jay Happ for Mike Trout. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. It's like. You'd be stupid not to think that. It is wild because like, especially like J-Hap, everyone's like, oh, J-Hap, he's still got tread on the tires out there. And it's like, I don't know. Maybe if you're the Angels, instead of even looking at his stats, you just go on Twitter and type in J-Hap and go, oh, everyone hates this guy. <laughs> oh, actually, this guy's not good. Every front <laughs> office should have a guy that just like stalks whatever. If they're looking at a team, evaluating another team, stalk that team's social media, like the chatter about it, the talk, the Yankees Twitter. What are people saying about that guy? Let me ask you something about like, so like the Astro series, I've been wondering this and I've had no one to talk to about it. So when we were watching the series, obviously Edwin died, Gary died. Like there were just, we couldn't do anything. Yeah. And it hit a point where even though we believe in the team, someone's going to step up. You were certain, you were like fucking Gary's going to swing at this in the dirt. Like we, we knew it was coming. You just have them pending doom. Do you think for Astros fans, they were like, oh, these guys are about to break out. Like, it's about to go the other way. Like, 100%. is there that opposite? Yes, there's that opposite. We're just always and like, it's, this is going to fall apart so fast. Yes. Yeah. And I don't think you're a real sports fan unless you constantly are in fear of your team losing the game that you're currently watching. Yeah. It's so crazy because, like, we knew how bad, like, things were. We're They're, like, this is so terrible. So I remember – so I lived in Boston for a while, and um, I would follow – I, I would listen to sports radio or whatever, or just follow Boston sports closely. And I remember a time, uh, David Ortiz, I, I, I don't remember what season this was, but I do remember A.J. Burnett was still on the Yankees. So this had to be 2010 or 2011. David Ortiz, it was like late April, and he still had not hit a home run in that season. And he was hitting like 100. And every Red Sox fan was like, he's done. This is the end for David Ortiz. I wish. And every time he came up to bat against the Yankees, I was like, this is going to be the moment that he hits a home run and then hits 30 home runs this season and is back. And he ended up hitting a home run off A.J. Burnett to center field. I still remember it to this day. I was like, well, 
I knew it was coming. Here it is. And he probably ended up hitting 30 home runs that season. That is the constant, no matter what, on the other side of the coin. Yeah. Astros fans were thinking the exact opposite of what we were. And I think it's just, it's a sick thing about being a sports fan is that we all want to be the first one to know, to be like, I told you we were going to fuck this up. You want to be, you just said this two minutes ago. You want to be the first guy to be right about something. I told you so. I like to be the last guy who is wrong, I think. I told you so. Those, there's no better four words in the English dictionary in, in any specific order. You can put it anywhere. No, that's five. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just like it, it was a, t- a tough end of the season, but I'm fine with bringing Chapman back. Speaking of guys we lost, and I mentioned him, Edwin Encarnacion. We don't re-sign him. We, we don't pick up his option. He gets $5 million for that. Signs White Sox one year, $12 million. I think it's a good signing for them. I think like we knew he was going to be gone. There wasn't really space for him. Not really much to say there. He stunk in the playoffs. Uh, we lost Austin Romine. People year. big mad about this. Big mad about that. One year, four and a half million dollars. But like, that's a lot of mo- like he's going to be their starter. Yeah, that's a lot of money for a backup catcher. If the Yankees went to him and said, "We'll pay you four point five million to be our backup," he probably is still going to be the starter. Like he's wants to be a starter. Yeah. Well, he's thirty one years old. He plays like the most physically demanding position. There's only so much time to make real money in this game. And so if he can go be a starter, put up decent starter numbers on this one-year contract, and then sign like a three-year $30 million contract, three-year $25 million contract, like he's set. Even though, you know, like his dad played in the major leagues for a cup of coffee. His brother was on the Tigers. Yeah. Like, so he knows how, like, you don't make necessarily a ton of money, but, like, with these guaranteed contracts, you just need – he needs one really good season this year, and he's set for generations. And I, I never, just like the money, back to the money thing, I never blame a player for taking the most money somewhere. It's their business. It's their livelihood. If they, if they want to take a hometown discount, awesome. That's fun to talk about. But I would never expect someone to take a hometown discount. I think there are certain times when like it makes sense, especially when you're talking about the Yankees. Like, Robinson Cano, I thought that was stupid because he could have stayed in New York for less money, probably would have won more World Series and would have had that like career Yankee like legacy. You can make more money off the field than in like a Seattle. But like Romine, like he's not getting those like subway is not like, oh, you're here. Great. You say that about Cano in hindsight, but you're his. I said it then. No, 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 no. But uh, not hindsight is not the right word. Like you say, you say that not. As Robinson Cano, like you're you're the fourth Dominican to ever be in Seattle. <laughs> but like you're Robinson Cano sitting in that room with like Jay Z, who's probably brainwashed him. And Jay Z yeah. is like he wasn't Cano their first big client. Yeah, Jay Z. Like this was that was Jay Z's contract, not yes. Jay Z and Rock Nation, is that even the name of the? Yeah, yeah. Wanted to make a splash with a big free agent contract. They weren't going to let him sign anywhere cheaper. It's a, it's a statement that we're making. I mean, and you look at a piece of paper and you're going to sign your name. It's hard to sign on the, the, the piece of paper that says $175 million when the other one says $240 million. I don't know. I, I worked for a guy 
who made a lot of money, like multi multi millionaire, and he said, "To be honest, after the first hundred million, it doesn't matter." After, he's saying yeah. this after. Yeah, no, no, but he's saying like anything after you have a hundred million. Like he sold a company for like three hundred million dollars, and he was like, after the hundred million dollars, like, well, you're never even going to go near that money. No, my point is, he's saying this after the fact. When yeah. you're before the money, you're going to take the most money. Yeah. So yeah, was it probably a stupid career move for Robinson Cano? Yeah. But I get it. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, I just would have liked him to stay. How much money was... would – how much – do you have a number where you would play – would you would do some, a sign on a team that you just dis, like despise or don't want to be there or, or like – Perfect segue. So Dellen Batantis signs with the Mets. One year, $10 million. There's incentives, all this shit. Um, hilarious Instagram post. Did you see his Instagram post? Yeah. Started, grew, grew up in Manhattan, high school in Brooklyn, minor leagues in Staten Island, major leagues in like in the Bronx. Now I'm finishing the five boroughs. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up with that bullshit and that uh, shitty beard. You look worse than me with the beard. It's hard. Um, and I was saying, like, I don't know if there are other options out there, like if I could sign with the Mets or the Red Sox. Now, obviously, I don't have that opportunity. It's not real. And I don't think Batances is so like I get it if you were like this is to stay in the league to keep your career going. You kind of do whatever like David Wells went to the Red Sox. and I still haven't forgiven him for that. And but he was trying to stay in the league. Uh, Cone did the same thing. Batances had other offers, but it's like this is all he knows. It's all he it's the only place he's ever lived. His whole family's here. You know, you don't have to move. You're still getting ten million dollars like, you know. So like I kind of like I get it, but I don't know. You could have gone the DC. No, but I mean for for that unique situation for Batanzas growing up in New York and then now staying in New York financially, it probably even if even if another team offered him like two or three million more, that's probably not worth the cost and the headache of moving your family out of yeah. a city you, that you you've grown up in and everything. And I don't know much about his like extended family, but like I'm sure a lot of them are still like around. Who knows? Like, you know, you make it out of out of an urban environment like New York city and make it like you might be helping take care of some people, some parents. He know. grew up in Washington Heights and then yeah. played for the Yankees. Like that's a fucking crazy story. Everything Manny Ramirez wasn't man enough to do. <laughs> and, uh, and the Yankees have just treated him so shitty at certain points in his career. And, uh, I'm, I, so I'm on the one, I'm, I'm still rooting for Dylan Batances. Like I, I want him to go in the game and strike out the three batters he faces, but the Mets to lose every game like 10 nothing. Yeah, I'm with that. I'm fine with that. Yeah, I just I think it'd be tough to to do that. And like who knows, like maybe he didn't hate the Mets the way, you know, we did. Like maybe he didn't get in those arguments. He definitely uh, didn't. I don't think any I don't think any player. I think cuz you get to a certain point where there's just things become more important than rooting for a specific team. Like we don't have we're at, we're at points in our lives where sports-wise, it's never going to get bigger than rooting for our team and arguing with opposing fans. Like that is I still have, I still have college eligibility. <laughs> but that's pretty much we've reached our pinnacle <laughs> as far as sports go. So I'll be honest, every once in a while, like we end up doing a speed pitch at spring training, like there's, you know, something like that. Or I've thrown out the first pitch at uh, Staten Island and Trenton. And every time I'm like, 
what if it just comes out 95? Yeah. Like, I know 95 You're going to be there. like that guy that got the contract from the A's. Yeah. Like, I'm just like, boom. Oh, that just happened. Yeah. You know? Rookie another. Year, boom. Another rookie. another hallmark, hallmark story. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all with my dog. That inspired yeah. me. <laughs> right, Susie? All right. She's excited. Um, what else has gone on in Yankville? Oh. Well, you didn't answer my question. What? What's my amount? Yeah. Oh, let's let's like let's like translate it to uh like is it like well if i'm holding on to my career if i need to hold on you'll to my go career, anywhere you go anywhere okay that's all i know how to do i don't have other skills but you're in the prime and, uh, of your career and you have multiple offers I, on the table oh it would have to be significantly more money so this is where my ego may kill me yeah is like all these guys have egos because <laughs> if i do that i feel like i'd have to be like yeah no i signed with like let's say i'm batansis like yeah no i signed with the twins because they aren't the mets because like it comes out that the mets offered more money and go there because people are looking to drag the mets i'd be like yeah because i hate them yeah but now you know he's in his late 20s or you know however old he is and then it's like five years from now and he's looking for that like hold on to your career and the Mets are like, ah, we got 2 million for you. And you're just like, all right, I'll take it. Yeah. Then you're like, I shouldn't have said that 10 years ago. It's tough. But my biggest fear would really be more just putting my foot in my mouth. I don't know that I could like, I could be a Red Sox. I just don't. I'll take a minor league deal. But if the Red Sox are offering you a hundred million dollar contract and no one else is offering you more than $50 million, you're going to take it. Like that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Like someone would be offering me like 85. And probably it doesn't happen. Thing. It happens like the amount happens like with Cano, the amount happened. But like you said earlier, one hundred and seventy five million dollars and two hundred and forty million dollars. Your lifestyle is not changing. But then it's just all about ego, signing the biggest contract in the offseason, having, you know, all that other stuff. Yeah. And I like to think that I wouldn't let that get in the way, but I probably would. You probably would. I probably would. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you have less money than my dog. Of course you would. <laughs> Um, a big thing that upset Yankee fans, and it's a move that I'm going to be honest, I love. It's one of the few things that like in this whole having a baby thing, I've been tweeting about a lot. Didi Gregorius leaves New York and signs with the Phillies. I think Didi Gregorius is a nice guy. I think Didi Gregorius is an interesting guy. I think Didi Gregorius is a good baseball player. I do not think he is worth $14 million. If you have a guy playing second base who just hit, 37 home runs or 39 home runs, whatever it was. I'm still knocking the rust off this podcast thing. And has been the back-to-back All-Star games when T.D. Gregorius has never been an All-Star, slumped the part of the season that he was around. And if you can move that guy from second to short, which is his natural position, every statistic says from last year that he was defensively better. Um, If overall Gregorius is defensively better, the offensive part far outweighs it. And you have the best second baseman in Major League Baseball dicking around at first base. <laughs> yeah. Like everything gets better about this team by letting DD go. If DD wanted six million dollars to stay, you think about it. Fourteen million dollars compared to having a guy who's gonna make a half a million dollars come in and play much better. Now we're just upset over emoji tweets. Yeah, we and I, this is going to, I don't hate Didi by any means. And I, and I, the fact that he replaced Jeter and did it admirably, I think is nothing like, but respect. Cannot, cannot go understated. 
Can't wait to see him at an Old Timers Day. I was yes, Old Timers Day, and he'll get a standing ovation. But and if he doesn't have if he doesn't have a couple home runs in key moments in the playoffs, which are outliers, no one gives a shit that he's leaving. No, not at all. So think about it that way. Like if he doesn't hit that home run against the Twins, I know he did, so you can't just take it away from him. But these are a few moments that we will remember for the rest of our lives for the great moments that they were. But for everything you just said, it doesn't make sense. And it pains me because I didn't think going into last year there would be any way he's not back with the team. I thought he'd come back. He'd have a June or a July that was like his 2018 April where he was the best baseball player. He was April 2018. He was the best baseball player ever in the history of the game. Three-run home run every night. May, he he was the worst athlete ever. Like it just and you just you can't tie that up for like numerous years. And when you're looking at like the future is right there and you can take that 14 million dollars and go out and get a Garrett Cole or go out and secure, you know, uh, Chapman for another year. And I don't think the Yankees are done like you. You have to make that move. You can't be like, I want to get better, but I also want the same guys who didn't just win to still be here, but spend money, but also be better. Like, it's just everything's back where everyone wants everything. And yeah. You're not going to get that. Right. Yeah. And the, I mean, the infield still has questions without him. But it would, but, um, it would, I'm sorry. What I meant to say is if they had brought him back, the infield would still have questions. Yeah. So it's not. You got, you got Voight. You've got, you know, what happens with Mike Ford? Everyone loves Mike Ford. He's the new local guy. You have the best second baseman in Major League Baseball floating around day to day yeah you waste dj lemayhew's defense at first base people are like oh well you need his defense at first base no you're wasting him as a d- defensive player at first base yeah should put Didi at first like there's a reason why for a hundred years in baseball you stick the fat guy who can't field at first base yeah not the platinum glove <laughs> second baseman yeah um so that brings us into the big bopper the Yankees signed Garrett Cole. Nine years, $324 million. Everything that can be said about this signing has been said about it. I'm in favor of it because this is a case where this is the best free agent pitcher that's ever been available. Uh, yeah, I had this conversation with um, with some people, and the only name I – like sort of got on board with was when Greg Maddox signed with the uh, Braves because he was also at a young age. But other than that, like I could not like maybe Sabathia in 2009, but I think because of just like Cole's absolute otherworldly dominance over the last two years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think when you look at, um, I mean, there's also a certain amount that could be said to when Randy Johnson went to Arizona, but like he was still, he was 35. He was 35 and we know he ended up winning four Cy Youngs. Yeah. But But like in high, that's all in hindsight. It's all in hindsight. So I think CeCe, like there were always questions about if his body would hold up, which it, you know, for the most part, it did. that's a successful contract. What they gave him was a successful contract. Yeah. But like he broke down the way we kind of thought he would break down. When you look at Garrett Cole, it's just like this guy, he just looks like a, a house. Like he, he looks like a, a tank. You don't think you're not worried about some like little injury. Mm-hmm. It, to me, it's a good signing. 
We've said we've moved everyone in the rotation back one. We're adding Sevy really to the rotation. Hopefully he learns how to pitch in the playoffs. But like we're doing all these things that just made a hundred and three win team better, and we've weakened our biggest competition in the AL. Um, at the same time, yes, he may get hit by a car tomorrow. He may blow out his arm. He may not. He may just come out and stink. But on paper, I mean, this is this is the move to make. It's the move that everyone wants. There's no like, uh, there's some people like let's piece together Ryu and and uh, Bumgardner and like that's no. what we've been doing. We've been trying to find pieces. Exactly, no, you no. get a centerpiece. Yeah, and that's I mean that's also why I, why I didn't want them to sign Strasburg because he's not. You're going to be spent. Look at all the money that the Nationals just paid Strasburg, and he has way more question marks than uh, Cole. I feel much more good about spending nine years and more money on Cole than seven years and what what Strasburg got when you're just comparing the two. But the Yankees were a 103 win team with with no rotation last year. They pieced it together and they won 103 games. So all I really care about is what's it going to look like in a postseason series because that's all we're focused on at this point. Yankees are going to be back in the postseason. So now what does the rotation look like for a seven-game series? And it looks really freaking good with Cole, Severino, Paxton, and Tanaka, and then a deep bullpen to go along with that. Yeah, and I think – I mean, pitching isn't what did us in in, uh, in the playoffs this year. Like, I've identified – if you could – if I could pick three places to add a base hit instead of an out, we're in the World Series. But – I think in the World Series, our pitching runs dry because we were just – we were throwing a Band-Aid on a bullet hole I mean, you said day. pitching didn't cost them, but it also yeah. did. They had to start Chad Green in game six. Yeah. And he gave up a three-run home run, and who knows? Maybe there was a friggin' smoke signal from center field that told uh, Gurriel that an inside fastball was coming. But whatever, for whatever – like, you were starting Chad Green in an elimination game. That's not ideal. Oh, no, no, not at all. I mean, we had Jay Happ in the bullpen. He's supposed to be a starter, but he's very good, and the Angels should take him. <laughs> yeah. So, for Mike Trout. I mean, when you look at the team from last year, even though it may n- the, the starting pitching, just identifying the starting pitching, may not have cost them this series to the Astros, it's still the biggest weakness on the team. Oh, by far. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I think you go out there, you have a weakness, you go out there, you get the best thing to fill that weakness mm-hmm. and make it stronger. Plus, with the way the money's shifting, like regardless of what happens with Ellsbury, if it doesn't count for this year or whatever, he's off the books for next year. Tanaka's off the books for next year. Yep. And hopefully we figure something out. Tanaka can come back. I like him. But, like, It's not know. just that. I mean, Hap could be off the books. Assuming no one trades for Hap and the Yankees keep him, they're not going to let him hit his vesting option. Yeah, no. So that's all. that's coming off the books. Um, there was Gardner an, will be off the Gardner books. Gardner will be off. There was another... Uh, like decent sized contract that would be coming off the books. And I, and I just can't think of well, CC just came off. The it books. was 60, it was $62 million total coming off the books after 2020. Well, I think it's, um, it's DJ. Yeah. All oh, right. And they'll, and, and we need to extend him. Right. So, okay. Forever. So, but, but call it, call it $40 million. Yeah. So, I mean, so it, it all kind of like works out. It, it's a smart move. Like, will there, Will year eight on this contract look great? No. Got to try, but you got to trust Cashman to like to build around it. There'll be some financial restraints, but he just built a farm system and got us to this point by building one. 
Got to trust him to do it again. Or whoever's next, because I don't know how much longer he's going to live if he has this job. Maybe baseball looks the other way on steroids again, because baseball baseball, love that. baseball needs to, uh, you know, people are mad about the pace of play and, like, strike out, home run, walk, strike out, home run, walk. Hey, let's not make them pee in a cup anymore, and then Garrett Cole can win four straight Cy Youngs in his late 30s. Well, they can smoke weed now, so that's tight. That's a, good for baseball. That's progress. Yeah. Um, so I love the Cole signing. I'm going to talk about him all year. Uh, Gardner resigned one year, $10 million. Uh, no, sorry. Gardner signed one year, $12.5 million. There's a, yeah, an option year that doesn't Guaranteed matter. 12.5. Yeah. I think we need, we need him out there. We need that leadership. Uh, hopefully someone else. Like this could be the year when if Judge can stay healthy. He takes that like leadership role. He does all the right things, but it's just like if you're not if you're not on the field every day, it's tough. Yeah, and with Hicks leader. being out, they needed Gardner. Yeah, we needed him. Uh, and so we've got some extra pieces. What do you what do you think happens with Clint Frazier? So in my offseason plan, I had him in that trade to uh, to San Diego, um, and I the only way he gets traded. Is if a team is just like, oh, deletes his Instagram. Yeah, we're going to be like, well, we know he can hit and we're just going to either ignore all the other stuff or try and get him in line. Uh, but it's not an easy sell for Cashman. He doesn't have much value right now. I think it's a catch 22 because so Clint Frazier has the talent to be a major league baseball player. He's a major league hitter. He's definitely a major league hitter. Yep. I think the fielding could be figured out. He's not I as bad he, as he was last year. Yeah, I think he just. Like he got, he got, his, he got his own, he got his, he got in his own head. Yeah. And it just like, cause it just spiraled so fast. So if he, so he should be playing in the major leagues. He wants to be playing in the major leagues, but I think he does off field stuff that makes it so no one will trade for him. So he could play in the major leagues. Like he should be walking into spring training as a starting outfielder on a major league team, whether it's the Yankees or somewhere else. But the way he treats the media the way he tweets or Instagrams or, or things like that or responds to people who chirp him online uh, with, like, subtle Instagram stories of, like, I thought you just play Call of Duty while he's in the gym. Um, people don't want that. And I think that's, like, he's kind of hurting himself. But he wants to be himself, so I also kind of respect that. Um, we did a podcast, uh, you and I, um, I think last spring, before the season started, and we talked about Clint Frazier. And I remember our conversation was Clint Frazier thought he would be the starting left fielder for the Yankees in two, in 2019. And here yes. we are going into 2020 and he's still not going to be on the major league team. I don't know if he can handle that mentally. No, I mean, I think he's going to, uh, he's going to end up spending at least half a season in the minor leagues. Cause I don't think the Yankees can sit on him for a whole year. Either someone will get injured and he'll get a shot and then get traded or, Right now he's right now he's sixth on the depth chart, seventh when Hicks is healthy. Who? So uh, Judge Stanton, Gardner, Gardner, um, Talkman, Talkman, and oh, okay, so he's fifth, and then yeah, sixth. Maven's not under contract. No, 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 no yeah, for, okay, I just counted wrong. So he's fifth, and then he's sixth when Hicks comes back. So he's back. one injury away. I guess so. I mean, that's the story of a Triple A player: one injury away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think we do with Andujar? So it's interesting because the Yankees have 26. Everyone has a 26th man for next yeah. year. So there's, it opens up a spot um, for like, Andujar, like 
now he's our DH. Yeah, for an Andujar to get, um, you know, uh, 16 plate appearances a week in some form or fashion. He's not a third baseman. He's, no. He's not a, he's, he's not a third baseman that the Yankees are going to want to stick out there unless Gio absolutely shits the bed and everything he did last year was a fluke. And we learned that early. I don't well, think, I think defensively Har- there's no chance of that because he's been that defensively his whole career. It's just it's the bat. And like if he even lands like kind of in the middle of where he was, he's still a very good player. Yeah, I know. But I think that if if Gio Urshela turns back into the the pumpkin that he was when he he was not even like a triple A offensive player. I don't know if the Yankees are going to put up with that. Yeah, it's true. Um, I think Andujar starts off the season as a DH. I would be interested. I think he should play a little first base because one of those things with first baseman is, as you said, they're big and fat and not the most athletic, so they tend to get injured. Um, even though Mike Ford's down in LBI doing yoga every day. He was looking good. Yeah. I vacationed there. I was like, I should have gone down for the weekend. Um, hey, that's a guy he, I'd like to drink with. Mike Ford? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I think we've all heard like stories of him with like – just DMs and stuff when he was younger. Like he's just a party. Like he's a guy who is signed by the Yankees and he grew up a Yankee fan. Because like, like you know how there's always like those conversations like who would you most want to play around a golf with uh, from the Yankees or who would you most want to drink with? It's not like the Derek Jeters because I would just be I like never want to meet Derek. I would be nervous the whole time. It's like he, I don't think it, he'd like me. It wouldn't be fun. But no. it would getting drunk at a bar with Mike Ford would be fun. Yeah. Well, it's like you know, you get a shot like you want to have sex with Kylie Jenner or you want to have sex with just like, you know, some regular like pretty girl where it's like, ah, I think I'd be nervous <laughs> about finishing the whole time or like she'd Instagram something, you know, like, yeah, it's the same thing. Um, kind of. So, yeah, I think it'd be interesting to see what happens there with the 26th roster spot. I think it opens up opportunities where we don't have to trade him, where I, I, was, I think we would have had to look into it. Um, and also his value is super low right now. It's not yeah. it's not smart to trade him right now. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it just creates opportunity for us to build that value up or, or see where he is. Like who know but I think he should in spring training take balls at first base. And I don't think it should be a big deal when that happens. Like I don't think the media should be like, Oh my god, he's at first base. Like he's a baseball player, he's got a glove, he goes where they tell him, they pay him money. That's maybe, how that works. Maybe left field. Who knows? Alfonso Soriano did it. Ah, not great. Chuck Knobloch did it. Eh, even worse. Brian Cashman wanted Derek Jeter to do it. Ah, that almost ended the dynasty. <laughs> um, so, I think the Yankees go out and maybe get another reliever. Uh, I know we've been talking; they've been talking Hater, something like that. I could see a big move like that. I don't know that we want to trade um, what it may take, which would be like an Andujar for that. Uh, do you think the Yankees are done for the offseason? More or less, yeah. Yeah, I mean, any move that they make from here on out is not going to be like, holy shit, can't believe they did that. It's going to be very minor moves. I I think getting Hater would be a big move. Oh, yeah, but I don't think they're going to get Hater. Oh, you don't think so? Oh, oh okay. Hater, hater would definitely be a big move. Okay. Yeah. Got to watch those racist tweets in his past. Everyone All right. gets a second shot. So here's how we're going to wrap this show up. I'm going to do this with yeah. everyone. We've been talking a long it's time. It's called... What? We've been yeah, talking dude, a long this is time. a nice day for you. Is Leanne working today? Yeah. Are you off or are you just working from yeah, home? Yeah, my office is closed for uh, the, the week in between Christmas and New Year's. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's nice. 
Um, so we're going to call this the lightning-ish round. Uh, as for you, I, I know better than some of the other people I'll have, but essentially I'm going to throw some questions at you. If I'm interested in your answer, we'll dive more in. If it's not that interesting to me, I'll keep moving, and you should take that as a personal offense. A lot of pressure. Yep. Who is your Mount Rushmore of Yankees? Now, it doesn't have to be like, this is the best Yankees ever. Just like, who are your favorite four Yankees? So I have to have seen them play. Right. Um, give me your give me your four right. favorite that you've seen play. I mean, it's all going to be from like the, the 90s stuff. Paul O'Neill was always my my favorite Yankee in the 90s. Why? Uh, just because he's a psycho and broke s- stuff? Psycho. And um, just because I was six in 1990. Um, excuse me. I was eight in 1996. And so it's like, you know, I basically just went off what my dad said. And my dad just always told me, like, oh, when the Yankees traded for Paul O'Neill, like, he turned into one of their best players and sort of helped turn around the team. So that's sort of how I got my, my Paul O'Neill. Okay. Yeah, and yeah, it's fun. When you're eight years old and some guy goes into the dugout and smashes a Gatorade cooler, that's fun. Yeah, you get yelled at that when you do that. A little I'm bit not a jersey out. guy. The only jersey I still own to this day is a road Paul O'Neill 19, uh, 2000 World Series jersey. I can't picture you in a jersey. No, I, I hardly ever wear it. Like I, I don't even think I've worn it in like five years. But we got to get you out in that jersey. Yeah, I'm not a jersey. One day guy. this year, not a jersey guy. All right, who else you got? Uh, David Cohn, and okay. and honestly, for as much as just like his current persona, and he interacts with people on Twitter. He's fantastic on the broadcasts. Again, a guy I'd like to drink with. So I've been trying for years. I know. Uh, Jorge Posada. When I saw him come up on the dugout step and yell at Pedro Martinez about like getting drilled in the head. I was all in on Jorge Posada. And you know, that moment when he hit that uh, bloop double in 2003 and was just like freaking out on second base. Um, you know, so that, that, that for me, he's one of my wife's favorites just cause he was like scrappy. Like he didn't, she was just like, he doesn't look like he should be there. No, no. And, and, and no chin, just absolutely no chin. And uh, beard. and uh, the fourth, you know, do I want to go like core four guy or not? But I think probably Andy Pettit because I've actually had a chance to interview him. I actually had a chance to interview Posada too. But uh, I've met Pettit, so I guess that bumps it up for me. Okay. Yeah. I liked Pettit when I was younger. I was a lefty pitcher. Okay, yeah. So, there you go. You know. What about you? Are you not uh, answering these questions? No, no, I'll answer. I'll answer. Uh, you get kind of the first the first um, shot at me. So it's Jeter. I mean, Derek Jeter was just – he always wanted to be the shortstop of the Yankees. He became the shortstop of the Yankees. Like, I like that. Um, and he won all those World Series and had sex with all those women, which was pretty dope. Um, David Wells. Love David Wells. Just loved him because, uh, again, he was a lefty pitcher. Uh, he didn't watch his mouth. He went out there and delivered. I think I have a lot of that in me, in my personality. Uh, Paul O'Neill, because he smashed shit when I was a kid. Same reason. And again, lefty. So that was like all lefties. Except yeah, well, Jeter. But like, yeah, I mean, that was like I tried to model my swing after him, the little step. Yeah, like practicing out in the right field. Yeah. You know, just like that. In practice, terrible swing. Great wiffle ball swing. You're talking about crying. To this day, if I see that clip from the 2001 World Series when everyone's chanting Paul O'Neill's name, I still get teary. I like it. Um, And then, so it's one of those things like with my fourth spot where 
David Cohn kind of like post career has started yeah. to like creep into that. And it's part of like the adult, like I want to like, I want to drink with you. Yeah. Kind of thing. Um, but I also always really like Tino Martinez. Yeah. That's a good one. Cause again, also I'm a lefty. So I pitched, I played right field. I played first base. You just so stayed like on all, that side of the field. It was all, it's what happens when you're lefty. That's like all you can do when yeah. you're lefty. and you have a good arm. You play right field. Yeah. So like those, I think are like my guys. The thing is, like Jeter, like I never want to meet Derek Jeter. I don't think he would like me. Yeah, I don't. I don't I mean, think I could handle it. It's just like, yeah, I think I could hang out with Cone and Wells, like yeah. no problem. I think I, I think I'd be a little on edge with Paul O'Neill because like he's still just like so jacked. He could like just beat my ass. And his hair looks the same. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, Jeter, but Jeter just got to such a. He got to a celebrity that very few people, especially like baseball players, ever get to. Oh, I mean, I say with him retiring and then A-Rod. A-Rod's the last uh, superstar in baseball. Um, Yeah, like maybe you – like Bryce Harper was trying to be that, but I just don't think he's ever going to get – It's not going to happen. He's never going to get there. Mike, Mike Trout obviously is never going to happen. He's too uninteresting to get there. Mike Trout could walk into a bar in Murray Hill right now and no one would know. Who would you say the most famous baseball player is today? Most famous today – um like what is that judge q score q you know the q score or whatever i i think it would have to be judge because he's so big and he's got like the recognizable like teeth um that makes it more like you're at a certain point where like you know it's like when a basketball player walks in the room you're like ah that guy probably plays in the nfl i was thinking it might be justin verlander because of the kate upton factor that was my number two because I think more people out like more just people who know nothing about baseball might know Justin Verlander. Yes, because he's been around forever. He and got, he does national commercials and the Kate Upton thing. And and yeah. like if the Yankees win a World Series this year or next year, and Judge is like more front and center, he'll he'll take over. But it may be Verlander. But again, it's hard to be the most famous as a pitcher. And like what Verlander does, like allergy commercials, or something yeah, like that. Know. So it's like. I think that national recognition plays a role. And, like, how do you get that? You know, Jeter was in the was MasterCard commercials. Yeah, like, Jeter hosted SNL. Like, no yeah. no base, no base, current baseball player is going to host SNL. It, like, maybe Aaron Judge will host SNL if he, I could say it. if he hits 60 home runs this year and then wins World Series MVP. Maybe they'll invite him to host SNL. I could see Judge, because they, they've started doing more in the media department of, like, the skits. You know, they, they do those like little skits in spring training and stuff like that. He's shown some personality there. He does some commercial, but I think he's focused on like on the field stuff more. He's still got to get a big contract. Yeah, but I could see him being an all-star, winning like an all-star game MVP. So he's got that national spotlight and winning a World Series and having like a good season and then getting, yeah, getting the host SNL. I mean, you obviously are favored to host SNL if you're a Yankee. Right. Yeah, no Mets like host SNL. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, or just like no one on the Twins or like Mike Trout's not going to host SNL regardless of his personality. No. Yeah, so I think it's Judge and Verlander, but I could see it the other way around. Yeah. Um, What's your favorite Yankee memory? Oh, my God. This is like, this is... You didn't, you didn't have to be there. It's not like in the stadium, just... It, what was that, that moment? All right, then it, it's got to... And it sucks because they lost this year. But it has to be the uh the scott brocious home run in 2000 because of what had happened the night before 
And like I was 11 or 12 at the time. So I was like, I was staying up late with my dad. And I still remember like, oh, can they do it again? The whole thing going back and forth. And I remember he got, he got a call from his brother before the Brocious home run happened. A Red Sox brother? No, no, no. A Yankees brother. Oh, okay. And like, I remember him talking on the phone and then, and then the home run happened, even though like, that's not even the most memorable home run from like that, that series like Jeter's is Mr. November. I don't know this, those, those like nights, those nights were maybe like something that, that, that I'm always going to remember. I wasn't there obviously. Yeah. There uh, at the game, it might be Didi's wild card home run. That was, that was a wild game. Yeah. I was also there. That might be the craziest ever in person at a game. I started eating chip witches. I was in the suite. I started eating chip witches and tweeting about it. And that's where the rally chip witch was born. <laughs> I was like, don't worry, guys. I'll eat this chip witch. We'll be fine. And then he hit a home run like two minutes later. <laughs> don't worry. I'll suffer my cholesterol for the, the good of yeah. the Yankees. Is there cholesterol in ice cream sandwiches? I thought that was just like meat. Who knows? I don't know how science works. Um, no, that's a good one. I mean, those were highlights of our childhood. Um. Do you have anything? Oh, yeah. Mine was when we won the 1996 World Series. Because I old, been, you were... I was in sixth grade. Sixth grade. So yeah. I was 11, 11 going on 12. So I... Scott was up drinking age. Going to say, yeah. Scott was 35 <laughs> years old. Scott already had his first family. Um, I went to a ton of Yankee games as a kid. I went to opening day the year I was born. My daughter will be at opening day this year. Like, I just... I went to a lot of Yankee games as a kid. We had a family connection to go. And I never understood that they were bad. Um, I thought it was cool because, like, I was getting oh, that did, like in the in the eighties and nineties, like just, yeah, like yeah. the early nineties, like they were just they were awful. Yeah. Um, and I have like I have a bunch of like Danny Tartable pogs, like in my parents' house somewhere. But it didn't matter to me because it was like the coolest place in the world. Like I grew up on City Island, which is like a nice neighborhood in the Bronx. But like you don't see that much green, like perfectly green grass, and like the old stadium when you'd walk through like the tunnel and like all of a sudden it was there and it was just awesome. It was always nice weather. I was getting into baseball as a kid, like, you know, starting to really like it. And then 94 happened. And that's when I realized how much I love baseball. Cause I was just like, this thing just stopped. Like how did it just stop? You guys are supposed to be here today and you're not here. And then as 95 came and we got so close, I started to really get invested in it. Like baseball is my favorite sport and the Yankees were my favorite, you know, team. And, I felt like as a kid, like I'm part of it. And then they won in 96. Like you get to stay up late. And like we were down two games and Andrew Jones wasn't old enough to drink. And I was like, if they win the World Series, they should arrest him if he has any champagne. <laughs> like at 11 years old, just being a scumbag from the Bronx. Like, yeah. well, f- turn on him. Um, and then we won. You know, Charlie Hayes catches that pop up. And it was like, I'm not on the field, but I'm 11 years old. And it was. I felt like I was the best in the world because they were the best in the world. And, and it's that, the first time I felt that. 11's old enough to feel that way. Eight is not really – like, I'm not yeah. old enough at eight. Like, I yeah. remember it, but I don't really remember it. Yeah, I felt eight. like I was invested. It felt like hard work paid off. You yeah. know, you're like, I wasn't at spring training, but, like, I was a part of this. I watched all these games. I listened to Phil Rizzuto. That's why baseball is the best sport, in my opinion, is because it takes a lot of effort to follow – like day yeah. in and day out, and you go through the ebbs and flows, and you fall in love with a team, you hate the team, they break your heart, they win you back, and then 
it, to all culminate at the end of the season. Like that's why it's the best sport because of the emotions. It takes so long. It's such a roller coaster. And it's why I said the last episode when I was by myself, we can all be mad. We can all be sad. They didn't do what we want. But now we're all itching for spring training. Oh, you yeah. Got any more of that spring training? Like, you got some pitchers and catchers? I just want to see a bunch of grown men millionaires play catch in shorts and T-shirts for that first day. Yeah, the pitchers and catchers day is always hilarious to watch people freak out about, like, a fuzzy picture from, like, 400 yards away of, oh, look, there's Garrett Cole walking out of his uh, – out of his expensive SUV into the into the Yankees uh, spring training but also facility. Inject that shit directly into my veins. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, so do you have a worse? This isn't one of your questions, but do you have a worse Yankees memory? Because I have a clear one that I was at. Worst um, worst m- memory of a game I've ever been to. Not necessarily that I've been at. Two thousand one was tough. Uh, that loss because like I lived in New York. Like, I was a New Yorker. Being in the Bronx, like, a lot of uh, people, firemen, cops. It felt like a glitch in the Matrix when they didn't win. Yeah. And I I had – I went to – again, I went to Bronx High School of Science, which is, like, people come from all over the city to go to. So it's not just, like, you just go. It's, like, people from your neighborhood. Like, people were coming from Brooklyn, Staten Island. So when 9-11 happened, like, I went to high school with a lot of people who lost their parents. I grew up with people who lost parents. And it was just tough for, like, New York as a whole. And we have this great team. And Paul O'Neill played a part in it. Like, Paul O'Neill's going to retire. Um, so, like, that wasn't supposed to happen. Like, it was all leading to, like, we're first we're going to win game six. Andy Pettis not going to tip his pitches. Like, yeah. we're not going to a game seven. Um, so, like, that was – like, that was the worst. And I think, like, the second worst is seeing, like, A.J. Burnett put that – not A.J. Burnett. Um, Josh Beckett put that tag on Jorge and, and, you know, 2003. Like, those were – like, just getting the World Series and losing was unfathomable. But I think 2001 after 9-11 was definitely the worst. I was at the game in 2004, uh, the, the, um, the brawl at Fenway Park. In 2004, when like Tanyan Sturtz challenged the entire Red Sox um, team, and yep. the Yankees were winning in that game, and then Mariano they were winning decently, and the bullpen just shit the bed, and then Mariano Rivera comes in with a lead and gives up a walk off home run to Bill Miller, and I'll never forget walking out of, the, of Fenway Park with my dad, and like every Red Sox fan's going crazy, and my dad just goes, "This is going to mean bad news for the Yankees." I'll never forget that, unfortunately. Yeah. It stinks. Losing stinks. That's why we won the World Series this year. Um, old stadium versus new stadium. This is tough because I have been to the new stadium like a thousand more times than the old stadium. Um, but the even though the I've always said the new stadium is like watching a game in a Walmart, but they're improving it with a lot of different things. But still, you got to go old stadium. Got to go old stadium. See, I'm new stadium. And I sat in like the luxury areas in the old stadium too. Like this is just it's just nicer. Like everything, oh, everything. Obvious, loves about obviously, the old it is nicer. Obviously, yeah, well, it is I like nicer. nice things. You're, like yeah. don't get me wrong. I mean, I used to. I've brought so many people to their first game, and when you bring them through, like now you walk in the stadium, and you can see everything. Versus like you brought them through that tunnel, like I talked about. It's like the greenest grass you've ever seen, and it's amazing. Like that's great, but. Um, I think to like stay competitive and to make it more like fan f- family friendly because I'm a baseball guy. Like I worry about the game of baseball, like to make it so it's like they're not making it more affordable, but they're making it more like family friendly. 
like whatever it takes to get people into the stadium so the game can like maybe get another generation and keep going. I'm all for it. I think the new stadium does that. I think the things that people miss is like you could feel the stadium shaking, you know, in the old stadium in the playoffs. Like, ah, I don't need like uh, infrastructure to not be stable to like feel like great about this. There's one thing you could change about the new stadium. What would it be? Ooh, uh, they're just they're they're too tough on letting people move down in the later innings. So I would relax that policy, and I would change Brett Gardner's walk up music. That would be the first thing I did if I owned the team. <laughs> be like, dude, get this country shit out of here. Well, he is famously a guy who drove to North Carolina with no music on. Yeah, he's a psychopath. I love it. Um, this is sort of in the same thing, but the I, I hate how the legends suites, the legends seats, are always empty. So it's just like it's just from a TV standpoint, I think it looks bad. So I would move those uh, in a different place and then allow those to just be regular purchasable seats that people can walk into for less than a thousand dollars. Yeah. You like you don't have to. You've never sat in Legends, have you? No. We got to get you to Legends this year. Yeah. Who wants to take me to Legends this year? We got to. So we got to get you there or we just got to sell like a sponsorship. Like we did the Indochino. We gave away four tickets. Yeah. Like two. Yeah. Give away and two like, and actually go to the game with us in Legends. Go to the game with us. We film stadium meets. Now we're talking. Um, let's see. What else do I want to ask you? Oh, what do you feel about names on jerseys? I don't think I've ever seen you voice your opinion on this. Uh, no, obviously not. That's stupid. Okay, good. That's stupid. I didn't want to, and my I one jersey that I own has no name on it. Perfect. I was going to ask you that earlier, but I figured I'd save it till now. Like if you had a number 45 jersey, if you were a Luke Voigt fan, and you had a number 45 jersey, and it didn't have a name on the back, well, guess what? Now you have a Garrett Cole jersey. Yeah. But if it had a name on the back, you're a jerk-off with a incorrect Luke Voigt jersey. Yes. It just makes no sense financially. Um, what is your – and now we are in cahoots openly with Billy's. We throw our events at Billy's now. What's your favorite pregame spot around the stadium? Well, obviously it's Billy's. But like aside, was it always Billy's? Like I've run into you at Billy's a bunch of times before we did this. I was hoping with doing the stadium meets and doing the bar reviews to get on Billy's radar so I could get the Bronx pinstripes pregames moved from the dugout to Billy's because I like Billy's more. So I manipulated all of you. The reason we did we moved to the dugout is because it's cheaper. I yeah, mean, the, four dollar like, beers. So there there's four spots. There's dugout, Billy's, stands, and Maybe there's three. Maybe there's really only three spots. Like, do you like want to Yankee? Tavern. Do you want to call Yankee Tavern a pregame spot? Like, I don't consider the Hard Rock a pregame spot. Uh, it's a perfect pregame spot if you just moved to New York and your parents were coming to visit, and they were like, "Oh, we want to see a Yankee game." That's where you bring your parents. And I've never been to La Bodega. Um, You're too white. You're too white to go. In I there. would never go in there alone. I would. I would have to be insane. And I definitely wouldn't go in there with you now. It's not dangerous. They're nice people. I'll go back this year. Uh, so yeah, I think I think Billy's because the, I I don't like the blaring techno music, but the outside area, like you're going for a pregame in the summer, you can stand outside, you know, get some shards of dirt from the subway above you. Love it. I just love. It's like 40 minutes after a game, they just like blast. They play like pop that after like a Saturday game, they'll play pop that like 40 minutes in and the whole place goes nuts. There's like, no weird. When they start scene. playing the hip hop. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. You've got hipsters. 
you've got people who have no idea what's going on, but they're just like hot girls who moved to New York and someone gave them tickets. You've got just like guys from Morris Park who are just construction workers, all like in a big dance circle. 4.45 p.m. on a Saturday afternoon after a day game at Billy's is one of the weirder scenes on earth. And I love it. It's my favorite bar. Um, all right. And so then last, and I will have a different answer every week um, for this one. You get, you're getting in at bat with the Yankees. They're just like, whatever it is, they pull you out of the stands, whatever, you know, it, but you're not special. The whole world doesn't know like, ah, oh, we picked, you know, Andrew, he's 31 and has less money than a dog. Um, what is your walk-up song? I knew you were going to ask me this. <clears throat> And uh, I don't have a really a great answer because, like, I'm not a huge music guy. That sounds stupid, but, like, I just don't care that much about music. I, I listen being like like Dave Matthews, like, crash into me. I, I, no, I mean, I'm not I, – I appreciate music, but I just don't have, like, a favorite band or, like, a favorite anything. Like, I, I put There's on – There's not a song that just, like, gets you fucking fired up. I put on my Spotify, you know, playlist that I've been listening to for a while, and I add new songs to it whenever I hear something that I like, and that's just what I deal with. So what I'm going to go with is One Way Ticket by Anatech, which is the intro song to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Get a little no, marketing involved there. Oh, okay. And you think that's going to – that stinks. Let me answer. That answer stinks. I'm probably going Uchi Wally. Okay. Just imagine the Bronx on, like, a Friday night or, like, a Saturday day game. And they're just like, now batting for the Yankees, number 33, Jack Joe Keenan. And everyone's like, huh, what? And then they go, ooh, chee wally wally. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, this guy's an idiot. I love it. And something, something like 90s throwback is, is definitely the way to go. Um, the, do you like, you know how the, um, I think it depends on the day of the week. Like if it's a Friday night or Saturday, you can do Uchi wally. If it's like a Tuesday and it's like all um, like, it's just like corporate, you know, like people with a jersey over their like button down shirt. Then I probably do like two princes. And also the game situation should dictate what your walk up music is. Oh, yeah. I mean, of course. But I still like to keep it generic because I thought about doing this with like throwing like situations at people. And I was like, no one's going to want to come on this show if there's too much thinking. <laughs> but, uh, so do you yeah. like the walk up songs when uh, like the guy I'm forgetting his name from the Nationals, the baby shark thing? Oh, like that's like. The Do you like those thing. like sort of gimmicky things? And I remember, remember the guy in Oakland who did the um, the saxophone. Yeah, the saxophone. Um, so not necessarily, but like I did like that. Jason Giambi always did the NWO Wolfpack entrance music. <laughs> like he always did. That yeah. was just his music, and like that's hilarious. Another guy I would like to drink beer with. Yeah. Um, I mean, I remember when um, O'Neill always had the Who. Yeah, and like Gary Sanchez a couple years ago had I forget what the big song was, but Justin Bieber was the Spanish song. I'm blanking on it right now. Um, but like once Gary Sanchez had that as his walk up song, it's like, oh now that's the song of the summer. Yeah. Like you just proclaim that that like now you gotta get them the summer jam. Yeah. Um Yeah, uh, it's Do you know yeah. how because not everyone has walk up music, obviously. Like you get like Tyler Wade doesn't have walk up music. I think they all have the option to have walk up music. You think if you just get called up randomly, you get the option, or they just play music to for you? I don't think that's. Their, I don't think it's their first concern. So I would imagine that it's not like, hey, you're you're getting called up. We have these four numbers available. Which one do you want? Um, your locker will be over here. 
Uh, just so you know, like you can't wear these color cleats or whatever those are. Oh, what song do you want? Well, so can't you picture like Clint Frazier showing up for the first day he was called in the big leagues, and the first question he's at, like, okay, who do With I talk to? Who do yeah. I talk to about walk up music? Yes. So I think that's for most people. I could see it being like a game of like, like Tyler Wade, like ah, I want to ask. Yeah. But, but I'm like, not good enough to ask. I also don't want to remind them that I'm here in case they forgot. <laughs> They're like, wait a second, you don't get in that bad. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh. Um I I had this idea for a show that I pitched to Yes called uh So what do you do? <laughs> that's, Very New York. That, that's the name of the What are you doing yeah. over there? Very New York. So what do you do? Okay. And it's like dirty jobs around Yankee Stadium. And it all just starts at like <laughs> All right, I'm here with – and, it, like, I wanted to start with, like, concessions and, like, build its way up, like, groundskeeper, um, the organist. Obviously, I can't play the organ, but, like, the guy who picks the music and all this stuff, eventually leading up to, like, Alex Rodriguez and be like, hey, I'm here with Alex Rodriguez. So, uh, so what do you do? And then they, like, take you through, like, their day, and you do, like, dirty jobs, you know. And obviously, like, I can't play third base for the Yankees, but, like, the warm-ups the warm and stuff and sitting next to the dugout, you know, and, and kind of get footage like that. But that would be funny to just, like, have – but the one I was looking the most forward to was uh, playing the, like, walk-up songs. Oh, that and, like, guy. Yeah. Yeah, like, being that guy. Like, I always thought when I was a kid it would be funny if they all played pranks on each other with it. Like, that would be. Specifically, Luis Soho. I love Luis Soho. I feel like all he did was hit doubles in the eighth inning or later. Um, and I, but he didn't speak like great English. And I always thought it'd be funny if they uh, subbed in, uh, I want to be in America from West Side Story. <laughs> like, I just thought, I saw West Side Story when I was a kid while like he like, was there. And so, I was like, like that'd teammates, be funny. Teammates pranking him. Yeah, like if Bernie Williams did it. Like, yeah. You know, and he's just like, yeah, do it. And they're laughing in the dugout or like whatever, you know. Put on Barbie Girl for like Luke Voigt and like see what happens. There, it, but like if you're a really popular player, there's like no music that can't work because if it's like Barbie Girl, then it's ironic and people get behind that. Yeah, um, I mean, because I like Jeter came back from his injury and in, what was that, 2012 or 2013 with um, 2013 uh, to like allow me to reintroduce myself, hmm. and it's like that's a that's badass. Yeah. We talk a lot behind the scenes about, like, to me, everything is wrestling. The right. intro to this show has changed because now it's more wrestling. Wrestling gets people excited. There's that pop. And I think that – and it should your focus should not be on this as a Major League Baseball player, but, like, if you can work it in, like – Well, once you're nice. Derek Jeter and you're in your 15th season, you can worry about those sorts I, of things. I wonder if he even, like, picked that or they were just like, this is the obvious thing that we do. Yeah. I think Jeter, I think Jeter cared more about that stuff than he ever let on. Yeah, I, I would assume, or like you know, he had a team that helped with that as well. Probably, you know. Whereas like A Rod would be like, "All right, this is the perfect song. I need it, but I need it in like a different key because like studies show, like everything he did was like a politician. Like, oh, they like red ties with blue stripes over blue ties with red stripes. Didn't he walk up to Madonna when he was dating her? I believe so. Which is yeah. like that's yo good flex. You're banging yeah. Madonna. Yeah. yeah. Did Jeter walk up to Mariah Carey? I don't think so. I don't think so. Imagine he just came out to All I Want for Christmas is You <laughs> in 96. It's kind of like Tanaka starts with his uh, – he starts games with his wife's music playing. Right. 
and he doesn't enjoy his wife's music. He said it in like an interview somewhere. He's like, yeah, no, it's not for me. But like, ah, it's my wife. So, yeah, like I play, you know, if my wife had something going on, I'd plug it here, you know. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think that's all I got. Anything? uh, You got any questions? Anything for me? It's been two and a half hours. I think, yeah, it's been been a long ass podcast. It's been a nice day. What else would you have been doing? Watching Netflix? Yeah, it was actually. What are you watching? World War Two in color. It's actually really interesting. Dude, you watch that cats thing? No, like not with cats. Not yet. Dude, it's crazy. Watch it. Okay. It's wild. I watched it. I had no intention to watch it. I was like, yeah, I'll get to check this out. Wild. You should nice. check it out. Nice. Well, you can follow Andrew on Twitter. You do you really do you don't really Instagram that much? No. Uh no. Certainly not for like baseball and Yankees. Well, follow Andrew on Twitter. He's insecure about the amount of followers he has because he didn't uh, tweet a joke with Derek Jeter got a single back in 2011. It's true. It's at Andrew underscore Rotondi, R-O-T-O-N-D-I. Follow me at JJ from the Bronx on Twitter, on Instagram. But most importantly, follow the show at George's Box Pod on Twitter, on Instagram. If this is your first time listening to it, hit subscribe. Give us five stars. Write a review. Do all that fun shit. This show is back. It will be back every Wednesday. Next week, I will be joined by Nick Kirby, who is, I don't know, I, Nick is maybe 5'5", five, 5'6", five, five, he's a very small person, but when he's behind you at a Yankees playoff game, he is 6'8", 375 pounds. Big presence. It's, it's going to be interesting to talk to him, because like, I've driven with him back and forth to games, I've been to uh, BP Crew events here in Philly, uh, and to watch him change, like, this like quiet, nice guy to just like absolute psychopath is super interesting. I'm looking forward to talking to him about that. He's a great writer who writes for the site. Um, every Wednesday, if you like the old show, give the new show a try. Trust me on this one. It's going to be good. It's going to be a great season. Andrew, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year, everybody. This was fun. Happy New Year. It's January 1st. I'm thinking probably 10 months from now, maybe like uh, November 1st, maybe a Halloween. See you at the parade. All the dramatic things I've ever seen. All the dramatic things I've ever seen.